You're listening to AM 1500 KSTP. and the great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening, or good morning as the case may be, across all these many prolific time zones stretching from the Hawaiian and Tahitian Island chains in the west, eastward to the Caribbean, good morning in St. Thomas, south into South America, north all the way to the pole, worldwide on the Internet. This is Coast to Coast AM. Great to be here. A new week underway. Coming up next hour, Stanton Friedman, the nuclear physicist, flying saucer physicist. We'll talk to him about Lake County and uh, the part he had in the production of that uh, TV show, which is going to air again, by the way. Got to get the date for you. Let us peruse the news a little bit. The a big news in Massachusetts is that 71 dolphins have beached themselves for a completely unknown reason, committed suicide. Uh, they uh, they appear not to be interested in living anymore, and so they just drive themselves ashore, committing dolphin suicide. But why? Why are more and more sea mammals doing this? Dolphins? Whales? Beaching themselves for completely unknown reasons. Weird. Very weird. White House lawyers are negotiating with prosecutors in the Lewinsky investigation over the scope of the grand jury uh, questioning plan for administration officials, including the president's closest advisor, Bruce Lindsay. Lindsay under subpoena to testify, but his appearance has been delayed. Meanwhile, Whitewater prosecutors received copies of the statements Clinton and Ms. Lewinsky gave in the Paula Jones sexual harassment lawsuit. In the documents, both the president and former White House intern denied they had sexual relations with each other, according to sources. 68% of the American people, some say 70, want the president to remain where he is, think he's doing a good job, probably don't care about what he does in his private time. I got to see Wag the Dog earlier today. Willie Nelson was in Wag the Dog. <laughs> A movie uh, following right along the lines of the present difficulties the president is having. And in that movie, they decide they are going to start a war uh, to uh, divert attention. <laughs> it, it, really, it really is a riot. I wonder if they knew something before they produced that movie. You've got to wonder, you know. Uh, Russia, uh, talking about war, Russia, France, and Islamic leaders are rushing envoys to Iraq today to push for a peaceful end to the standoff over U.N. weapons inspections. The U.S. pressed for Arab support for a possible military strike. At the U.N. Secretary General there asked uh, the Security Council to double the amount of oil that Iraq can sell under an exemption to a U.N. embargo. The U.S., Britain, and Iraq's leading adversaries indicated they could go along with the increase for humanitarian reasons. Now, I don't understand this. We're about to bomb Iraq. And we're willing to go along with their doubling the amount of oil they sell. 
That's very interesting. <laughs> Why would we do that? In Austin, Texas, a state board unanimously rejected Carla Faye Tucker's bid for clemency. Today, she's on death row, leaving only the Supreme Court and the governor of Texas with the power to halt the pickaxe killer's scheduled execution tomorrow. The board also rejected her request for a 60 to 90 day reprieve to allow the court's time to consider a challenge to the state's clemency process. Tucker made a videotape in prison Saturday night asking Governor George Bush for a one-time 30-day stay of execution. So she would be the first woman executed in I don't know how long. How do you feel about that? AIDS deaths across the U.S. dropped 44% in the first half of last year, showing the power of new treatments to control that disease. Officials from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta presented new data at the fifth conference on retroviruses and opportunistic infections, according to the CDC. 12,040 Americans died of AIDS in the first half of 1997. I got a very worrisome fax from Ray in Santa Barbara who said uh, he has become aware that Antarctica's Larsen B ice shelf, or ice field, appears to be melting, and he got that from CNN. I've got a photograph on the website that you absolutely must see. It involves fire. Oh, speaking of fire, you can still vote, I understand, for the Webbies. Uh, that is to say, get your vote in. I understand that uh, at the Webby website... <laughs> there was a fire, and I guess uh, the voting was delayed because of the fire. One of their servers must have burned down. No doubt due to our traffic. We've done that to a lot of servers lately. So if you want to vote for the Webby, Webby I think you can still do it. Go on up there, click on the icon on our website, and if you would, vote for Keith Rowland's website. We solicit your vote. Anyway, listen, Art, I've, I've, I've written to you once before. I'm the paramedic from Seattle. Thought you'd enjoy this picture. A nurse from a local trauma center, Harborview Medical Center, has taken up the task of being the photo historian of the Seattle Fire Department. A Roxanne, the nurse, responded to a fire at a service station while taking some photos around the fire scene she noticed a flare of fire from a window. Since she had her camera in hand, she snapped off a picture. Wow! There is, or seems to be, a ghost in the fire. Note here, please, nobody was killed that we know of in the fire. And I don't know anything about the history of this business. Roxanne has copywritten the photograph. Roxanne Everhart, and of course we have given her credit on the website as requested. It is a ghost in the fire photograph. See what you think. A pack of wild monkeys swooped down and attacked passers-by in a Japanese seaside town, injuring 26, all between the ages of 40 and 80. It uh, 
is pretty weird. They appeared in gardens, on streets, biting people in the back and legs. Local authorities using loudspeakers warned residents to beware of the monkeys as the town organized a hunt for them. What's going on with animals? Again, as I told you earlier, 71 dolphins are beaching themselves off Cape Cod. Just, you know, they tried to herd 20 back to sea, and they came right back and uh, beached themselves uh, once again. What is going on? Mike from Ohio writes, Hey, Art, religion is for people who are afraid of hell. And spiritual, uh, spirituality is for people who have been there. Interesting. Scientists in New Zealand are investigating the mysterious deaths of nearly a thousand baby sea lions and other marine life on the remote Auckland Islands south of the country. Scientists don't know what killed them. Some have suggested a toxin or a mysterious virus. Another theory saying the deaths might be linked to El Nino. Mass deaths of mammals, such as sea lions, are not unknown. Sometimes it's a result of pollution, but given the remoteness of these islands, that, in this case, seems rather unlikely. Uh, so there you have it. That's kind of a rough look through the news. I've got a lot more here, and I'll kind of feed it to you as we go. Again, at the top of the hour, Stanton Friedman, who is four time zones to the east, and uh, he will be here talking about that program he was on, and, of course, much more. As you probably know, this kid is not mechanically inclined. Electronics, sure, but mechanics, uh-huh, no. I have just turned my little Geo Metro, that's right, my little Geo Metro into a mean machine. Well, almost. I have installed the Jacobs Ultra Team Ignition System using their, thank God, easy temporary hookup. I did this in minutes following the simple instructions. My wife couldn't believe it. My little Metro now has more power, begins, starts instantly. You hit the key and boom, she goes and runs smoother. My gas mileage, now check this out, already about 55 miles per gallon, has now shot up to way over 63 miles per gallon. I'm confident the Ultra Team Ignition Upgrade will make a big difference in your vehicle, too, no matter what you drive. Jacobs Electronics has been around since 1974. Their patented technology optimizes the spark in each cylinder, guaranteeing a significant increase in power mileage and engine life. Ultra Team works as well on late model vehicles as it does on new ones. And each system is customized for your vehicle. Barry L. from Midland, Texas, writes to tell what the Ultra Team ignition system did for his VW van with over 100,000 miles on it. Quote, prior to installation, a typical run over Cone Pass in Southern California had me in the right-hand lane at around 43 miles an hour. After installation, my speed over that pass increased to over 53 miles per hour. 
Now that is typical. To find out what the Ultra Team can do for you, call Jacobs Electronics. There, technicians will quote exact performance and mileage figures for your car, back it up with a 30-day money-back guarantee, unlimited mileage guarantee, less a small 10% restock fee. They're open seven days a week, 8 a.m. to 9 o'clock at night, Central Time. Call them at 1-800-627-8800. That's 1-800-627-8800. Brand new sponsor. Tell them you want the ignition system Art Bell has on his red-hot Metro. It's like a heart transplant for your car. The number again, 1-800-627-8800. If it can do that for my Metro, imagine what it can do for your car. Just imagine. 627. When it comes to information on extraterrestrials, if you're like me, you just can't get enough. And I'm telling you, you've got to see the spine-chilling video, Area 51, The Alien Interview. Thousands of my listeners have already ordered this 65-minute documentary video containing the most convincing color footage of government agents interviewing a space alien inside the infamous secret base at Area 51. Leaked to the public by a heavily disguised and very frightened man who's known only as Victor, this unedited video will leave your heart pounding. See for yourself why Victor fears government agents might kill him in retaliation for releasing the dramatic footage. Is it real? Judge for yourself. The cost is only $19.95 plus shipping and handling. You'll want to watch it over and over again. I have. To order, call 1-800-510-3420 right now. Allow two weeks for delivery. The video's been featured on Extra and Strange Universe, but you only got a little piece here, you get it all. You can get it through this offer only. 1-800-510-3420. Area 51, the alien interview. 1-800-510-3420. Call now. Well, all right. We're going to open lines now. Unscreen calls. I have no idea what awaits. I never do. We don't ask. We just push buttons. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi there, Art. I enjoyed uh, your Dreamland program yesterday with the uh, Michigan uh, UFO incident from Wasn't 1994. Wasn't that something, yes. You know, it brought to mind a story that's been in the news recently in the Chicago area. Uh, there's been a story of some Koreans from Texas that recently came to the beach over here in uh, Gary, Indiana. Wait a minute. Koreans from Texas on a beach in Gary? Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense in the news media here at a field day with it. I can uh, understand why. Well, they're... These people, they're, I guess they're a, a cult that believes that there is going to be a UFO. Oh, yes. And they're, gonna, they're, they're worried they're going to be another suicide cult? Exactly. Yeah, I've heard about this. Yeah, and they were, they were staking out their position on, on the beach in Gary, Indiana, which is a very uh, devastated city. But the thing that kind of piqued my interest was the, uh, the UFO sightings uh, from Michigan. They kind of ran parallel along there. Parallel, but uh, a very long time ago. Um, yeah, I did. I played something that I'm going to repeat a portion of on Coast. I'm, I'm not sure when. Uh, perhaps uh, later if Stanton goes uh, a little bit early. We'll try and repeat some of that for you. I'm telling you, you have never heard a chronicling of a sighting better than the one that I've got here. 
And I lost it for years. I don't know what happened to it. And then I, uh, I talked to, um, I talked about it the other night on the air, and that made me go open a closet and begin looking, and I'll be doggone if I didn't find it. Really something. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Well, hey, Art, let me turn the radio down. Thank you. It's the first thing everybody should do so you don't become confused. You know when you had the New Year's and you were letting people come in with predictions? Yes. Well, me and about 999,000 other people try to get through to you that night. Well, actually, we did it for two or three nights. I'm sorry you didn't make it through. Obviously, you, you wish to make one, huh? Well, you know how you acquired all those new listeners and you talk about controversial issues? Mm hmm Okay. <laughs> well, this is my prediction, okay? Okay. You remember a while back they had a... This is going to really sound really far out, okay, Art? So don't cut me off, okay? Okay, you remember a while back how they had um, that fire that happened and they had a skin diver that was scooped up out of the ocean? Oh, that's that's not a true story. That's it's not. Ur, that's no. That's urban legend. They they like, scooped him up uh, and dropped him on a forest fire. Uh, the story goes. No, that's okay. an urban. That's an urban legend. Like go further with it. Like how? Well, I mean, it's an urban legend. It's not true. It's somebody made that up. But and it's been on the internet. But it's been. It's a cool story. And you can imagine that it could happen. Poor guy out there skin diving and helicopter comes along, scoops him up, drops him on a forest fire. Bummer. Yeah, but you know, like the number one rule of skin diving is you never skin dive alone with a buddy, right? You always buddy up, yeah. Yeah, that was like rule number one. And like if he had like a sister or something like that, don't you think that that person would have been like coming out and just like really, you know, like getting very upset about this issue? Yes. You mean if their buddy got sucked up and dropped on a fire? Yeah. Yes, I do. Uh, no, uh, no I, I'm very well aware of what you're talking about. And that's one of those things that runs around the Internet and goes round and round and round and round. And you never know. There might be some kernel of truth to it having occurred. But my general understanding in uh, is that's a, an ur urban legend. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello? Going once, going twice, gone. First time caller line, you're on the air. Yes, sir. Okay, you're going to have to speak up good and loud. Where are you? Okay. I'm sorry, Art? Yes. Um, I'd like to make a couple comments about your uh, guest you had last night. Yes, sir. Peter Davenport. Peter Davenport, yes, sir. Um, I'm a weapons loader at stationed at Luke Air Force Base. Yes. And I'd just like to let, have you let your audience know there is no F-15s. At Luke Air Force Base? Well, I believe, yeah, Peter said that, I think, uh, and said that uh, he thought there were F-16s. Yeah. Um, well, I thought he said that they had launched F-15s for ready alert. There's no, no ready said, alert. He, no, 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 no. He said um, that that's what was said to be launched, but that they were F-16s. Two, uh, two engines. Um, well, the F-16s got one engine. And the F-15 too? Yes, sir. Okay, well, then it was F-15s that he said were launched. Right. And you're yeah. saying that can't be, huh? No, sir. Okay, I, I, I think he said that. I I'm think... not giving any way any secrets or anything. The, the F-15s with the two engines left Luke at the end of 94. So they were there. Well, they were in 1994. It was a training base for 15s and 16s. 
All right. Well, I, I think that he made reference to that fact, uh, didn't he? Uh, uh, well, no. Well, he made the reference because they launched. Actually, what he said is he they, that Luke had launched F-15s. And he didn't know how that was possible. That yeah, that can't be possible. Yeah, that that's what I thought he said. So um, I don't know. That remains a mystery. A wild card line. You're on the air. Hello. Hi, Tom from Reno. Hey, Tom. About that uh, monkey story. Yes. I got a newspaper here that gives a little more information on that, and it says that these monkeys only attacked women, and one of them went to a lady's house and opened the door. That's right. And bit her when, you know, she went over to see who was who was at the door. Do you think that animals worldwide are beginning to rebel, turn on their owners, and, and, and attack? Absolutely. I told the... Uh, my girlfriend, Kathy, who calls you frequently, that uh, this year, starting this year, you would see that happening real frequently. Domestic pets, cats, lot jumping on their owners' faces, dogs, exactly. biting ankles and uh, legs. Exactly. A lot of it. Not only that, but farm animals, domesticated farm animals. I think you're going to see a lot of that. There was a movie called The Day the Animals Attacked. Yep. You say that day is coming. I do. Dolphins driving themselves to the beach in Massachusetts. My God, what's going on? From the high desert, the area that will answer, this is Coast to Coast AM. Kingdom of Nye on the Wild Card Line at area code 702-727-1295. That's area code 702-727-1295. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. It is. Good morning, everybody. Glad to be here. It's a it's a rainy night in the desert. The rain from California is coming this way with a vengeance. Man, I'll tell you, it's really something else out there. Let's talk for a second about night vision. Uh, particularly on a night like this when the clouds are prolific. There is no starlight out there. If there was somebody out and about near my yard, I would be able to see them if I had night vision. I do have night vision. The AMT Model 2 night vision spotting scope is what I've got. And it gives you a great feeling of security. Know why? Because if someone's out there, you can see them, and they can't see you. And that is, uh, believe me, a very, very distinct advantage. This night vision uh, scope has a built-in infrared illuminator for exactly situations like this. You turn it on. And it illuminates a yard-type area without anybody out in the yard being able to see any sort of light whatsoever. In fact, the night vision, a spotting scope, actually amplifies light a minimum of 33,000 times. It's got a big 90-millimeter, three-power, all-glass ground lens, high-quality optics, is 8 inches long, weighs 22 ounces, easy to use, a Russian tube assembled and serviced in America with a two-year warranty. And it is cutting-edge technology. How much? Well, something like this used to be thousands and thousands of dollars and way out of the reach of anybody, any normal person. Now $349.95. And that includes shipping and handling 
getting it to you. It turns night into day, folks. Call Bob Crane in the morning. He's the guy who's got him. At 1-800-522-8863. That's 1-800-522-8863. It is the Sea Crane Company and Night Vision. Are you having arthritis pain? One more little item, and we're actually more than caught up here. It's Snappy, the video snapshot from Play Incorporated. God, I love this thing. I love it. I use it all the time, including tonight. It's about the size of a pack of cigarettes. It plugs into the par parallel port on your computer, so you don't have to take anything apart. You know, you normally plug your printer in there. Instead, you plug in a Snappy, and then you plug any video into the Snappy, camcorder, TV, VCR, whatever. They're 3.0 software loads, and you've got a, a little picture of a TV screen on your computer, and then whatever video you've got going into the Snappy appears on your computer. And when you want to still photograph something you can put on a website or into a photo album in a computer, boom, you click your uh, mouse button, and you get a high resolution, actually higher than the original. I have no idea how they do that. A photograph that you can save or display... Snappy has won 25 major awards thus far. That just doesn't happen. New Media Magazine says Snappy compares to a $20,000 digital camera in their right. You can get Snappy for $99. You can see Snappy on the web at www.play.com or go to a Snappy dealer, which would be your local computer store just about anywhere, and request it. $99. On the international line, you are on the air. Good morning. Uh, Bill, good morning. Hi. It's Russ, Russ here from the National UFO Hotline and Monitoring Center in Australia. Oh, yes, sir. We, we have another uh, Russian transmission of interest. Uh, as good as the last one? Yes. Um, it's slightly different connotation this time. Okay. Uh, they're talking about denying supplying uh, weapons of mass destruction to Iran. And apparently uh, a number of firms in the United States have 13 case examples of Russian technology being supplied to Iran. And uh, we've just got this sort of a pseudo-denial from uh, Russia in this transmission. All right. Uh, from Russian radio folks uh, being relayed through Australia, here it comes. Okay, voice uh, of Russia. The director of the Russian Space Agency, Yuri Koptev, has made a statement at a news conference in Washington after talks with the American Secretary of State, Madeleine Albright, and the President's National Security Advisor, Samuel Berger, to the effect that Russia is not giving any aid to Iran in developing weapons of mass annihilation and missiles. Thirteen cases mentioned by Washington and the alleged handover of such technology by Russia he said, had been intercepted by Russian special services. Such attempts have been made by private companies, but never by the government. You there? <laughs> there we have it. Yes, I'm here. Yeah, sure they're not uh, uh, selling technology. Of course they are. Well, it's double Dutch, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. And um, I rather expect we're going to see some of that technology probably used against us in the coming fracas with uh, Iraq as well. Yes, I understand that uh, America's paving the way of using uh, tactile, tactile, tactile nuclear missiles in, uh, in uh, Iraq. Oh, you, you've heard that, have you? Yes. Uh, it would seem to be a possibility. I, I thank you for your call uh, from Australia. 
If the Iraqis were to be so silly as to use biological or chemical weapons against us, I think it entirely probable that we would return with nuclear theater, nuclear devices, um, ones probably that go deep into the ground and explode and take out bunkers and whatever else might be underground. I'm told the coming fracas will use nearly all smart weapons, whereas the last war used a very small percentage of them. I don't know. Would a president start a war to divert attention from a domestic difficulty? If you saw Wag the Dog... <laughs> East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? Okay, sir. Hi, I just want to see you have a great program. Well, it's different. Yeah. This is uh, Tim from Ontario. Yes, Tim. Um, I was just wondering when you might have uh, Stephen King on the program. I would love to have Stephen King. Yeah, so would I. Uh, so I can't tell you when. I'm not in contact with yeah, Have you ever had any conversation with him? I have not, no. No? Nope. Well, that would be a really great show. Uh, it would be a tremendous show, no question about it. Uh, okay, well, that's about all I want to know. All right, thank you very much. Did Tom Clancy buy a sports team? Did he buy the Vikings or something? I understand Tom Clancy. Now, that's somebody I've been trying to interview for a while. Might have uh, purchased a sports team. Wow. True or false? West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. How are you? Okay. Long time no speak. Anyhow, I'm calling you from Honolulu. I've uh -oh. told you before. Yes. And you wouldn't believe what they were talking about this morning. I had to let you know. They're talking about an idea of having daylight savings time over here. In Hawaii? Yes. You're kidding. No, I'm not. I think that would be a terrible thing to do. Well, I, mean, I, I have to agree with you. Um, I don't like the switch twice a year. I hate it. It's like I, a pain in the neck. Right. We should go one way or the other. Everybody right. should be in um, uh, a synchronicity on this. Exactly. But I also found out this morning that before Pearl Harbor, um, they used to be even a half hour behind. It was five and a half hours instead of five hours to the East Coast. You're kidding. No. I found this out today, too. There are time zones that are on the half hour. Right. Uh, somewhere in Canada, isn't it? Like Newfoundland or something uh, like that? I don't think so. Stan, Stanton Friedman uh, is there, and I, I think that he's four time zones away uh -huh. uh, from the West Coast. Um, I don't know. I'll ask him about that. I know there are some time zones in the Pacific somewhere that are the, on the half hour. Uh-huh. Well, it's just, I don't know why they even want to bother with this thing. I think it's crazy. I mean, they're talking about, oh, well, we'll have sunset, uh, you know, after 8, it won't be dark till almost 9 o'clock at night. Well, that's so right. So what? Who cares, <laughs> you know? I've I don't never, want to bother setting 30 clocks ahead. I, that's right. I Thank you. I have never understood the logic of that. I have wanted to start a national movement to change it. It's, it's a nightmare. Twice a year for me, I've got to change my clocks. And I have more clocks than Carter has little liver pills. Oh, I've got clocks in everything. Clocks in computers. Clocks in VCRs. Clocks in clocks. Clocks that do change themselves. I've got, I've just got clocks that go TikTok. You know, with a, with a long pendulum on them. I've got clocks all over the house and I've, 
It takes about half the day twice a year. And I just don't understand why we're doing it. First time caller line, you're on the air. Yeah, this is uh, Dale. Hello, Dale. In Winsbury, Idaho. T turn your radio off. Oh, am I on the air? Yes, you are. Thank you. Um, do you know if uh, Dark Skies, the TV show, is going to be coming on anytime soon? No, it has been canceled. You don't know if another network's going to... No, uh, by now I would say the odds are nobody is going to pick it up. It's dead meat. Did you ever watch it? I was on it. You were on it? Yeah. You think it's possible the hives exist? Well, I don't know. I was uh, part of MJ-12. You were? Yep. It kind of went off the air uh, during the Heaven's Gate deal? No. Uh, it went off the air because it didn't get good domestic ratings. Now, it, it was a series that was murdered, not... Uh, uh, didn't die naturally, of natural causes. It was preempted just about every single week. Just about every week, Dark Skies got preempted. I played William Paley on uh, on MJ-12, on the board. It was really cool. But it was, it, it was one scene, and it took about two hours to film the one scene. I just don't understand TV. TV is a different world. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah, is this uh, Art Bell show? Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, uh, I was wondering if I could make a comment. You talked to a gentleman earlier about, he mentioned about, uh, animals or people's pets starting to get crazy and attacking their owners. Sure, dolphins beaching themselves, monkeys attacking people in Japan. Yeah, well, I happen to have a, quite a big library of, uh, religious and theological books at home. And I remember distinctly, uh, and you can take this for what it's worth, okay. reading about, uh, God said, when the end times come, um, as animals the way they are now, they have a supernatural fear of man, meaning, you know, a lot of animals avoid man whenever they can. Oh, sure. And he said, uh, and it's written that uh, during the end times, that uh, God would take away that supernatural fear, and they'd all, they'd all turn on man. So I just thought it was kind of odd that that gentleman brought up that. After I just got through reading that book about... Uh, How about this one? Robert Ghostwolf uh, was on the show saying that... Um he has information indicating that large cats, mountain lions, mm -hmm. are beginning to stalk hunters. <laughs> uh, isn't that turning the tables? <laughs> yes, isn't it? Uh, considering the way the world is now and the things that are going on, I mean, uh, parents and adults murdering their children, churches getting burned, I'm sure you remember that in the news. Oh, yes. Uh, who's to say, you know, when the end is, but... I just thought it was quite interesting that that point was made, and I had just read that, and it just seemed to be, you know, they both seemed to be just about the same thing, and it's kind of kind of makes you wonder and worry. Would, would you want to have warning of the end of the world? Pardon? Would you want to have warning of the end of the world? Well, what would I really do with that warning? That would be my next question. <laughs> A warning in what can you do? You know, depending how the world is going to end, if, and if it's going to end by biblical prophecy of fire and brimstone or whatever, what could you do? Where could you hide? I mean, I know as far as the uh, government goes, and this was actually shown televised on TV uh, probably a few months ago, 
They've got some pretty hefty underground installations built, I mean, way under the earth. Well, they do, but you don't think they're for people like you and me, do you? No, that's going to be that was going to be my next point. I mean, you you, you know, you'd, you'd be knocking on the door and uh, there'd be no answer. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, and they when they televised this and they talked about how this in, underground installation was for the uh, the Congress and the presidential people and you, how they had enough food and water the last 25 years down there. They had schools, it. they had electric subways. Hardened against brimstone. It was a, uh, oh, yeah, definitely. And I'm trying to think, well, they're building it all with our taxpayers' money. What's left for us? What's left for Joe, John, Jane, and uh, whoever else? You know, we're we're on our own. So you really can't do anything except if you have your beliefs, get on your knees and pray and hope the judgment is a good one for you. That's it. All right, thank you very much. Somehow, I don't think, if it really was Judgment Day, that such bunkers would prevent... Judgment. Do you? I don't think so. Sure, they'd whisk the president and Congress and all down into these deep bunkers, but uh, I don't think judgment respects uh, any amount of concrete and steel reinforcements at all. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi, Art. Terry from Minneapolis. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, two of the uh, affiliates here in town, the 10 o'clock news, reported that Tom Clancy has just about definitively completed uh, an agreement to purchase the Vikings. That's what I heard. It's amazing because this name has come from out of the blue. The Vikings have been for sale for about six months, but nobody has mentioned Tom Clancy. Well, I think it's cool. I think it is fantastic because everything the guy has touched has been a winner, and the guy's got a lot of class. If you read his books, you know the guy's pretty sophisticated. Oh, yes. And it's certainly a lot better than the situation that the Vikings have here now, that's for sure. You know, the encroachment from Green Bay here is, has been uh, rather uh, disconcerting for Vikings fans. Yes, I'm sure. Well, I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm very happy for you, and I'm happy for Tom Clancy. Well, he's a, he seems to me to be a great guy, a real guy. And boy, is that guy connected. How does he know all those secret things? <laughs> you know, I wonder the same thing. Could, could he be a guest on your show sometime? Uh, you know what? He promised to be a guest. I was corresponding uh, with him uh, by email. And he promised after his last book that he would come and be a guest. And he has not come through yet. But well, hold uh, him to it. I'll, I'll press him. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Uh, so, there you go. Apparently, the story about Tom Clancy is true. On our international line, you're on the air. Good morning. Hey, Art. It's Jesse in B.C. Hello, Jesse. Uh, i got a couple of comments and then a question. First of all, about time change. There's yes. a half-hour time change in Newfoundland. Is there really? Yes. And you know what the worst thing, the thing that sucks the most about the time change? What? I can't get your show in the early parts of the day because I pick you up on skip. Ah, uh, yeah. So in the summer, you suffer until it gets dark. Yeah, I miss the whole of Dreamland. Oh. Yeah, did really you, did, did you hear Dreamland last night? Yes, I did. And it scared me. <laughs> and I don't scare too easy. That thing in Michigan was pretty intense. Uh, it's the best I've ever heard. Yeah, uh, I would say the same. Um, I have a question for you. Sure. When's your mom going to be on again? Well, when she gets out this way. You know, she lives uh, 3,000 miles away. Well, start nagging her. <laughs> All right. All right, thank you, dear. Uh, there's a half-hour change in Newfoundland. And they're on the half-hour mark. I used to laugh about that. People would call... And tell me they were in a place where it wasn't 11 o'clock, it was 11.30. It would be 11 o'clock here, and they'd say it's 11.30. Can't be. 
or 2.30 or any half-hour mark. Can't be. But it is true there are such time zones. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hey, Art. Hey. This is John from Sacramento listening to you on KST 650 AM. Dreamland's great. Your book is great. That's the, way, that's the way to do a promo. <laughs> Protocol out of the way. Great show last night. Oh, yes. Incredible. And I have a question or um, just a curiosity uh, with your insight. How do you think that these uh, interplanetary alignments that are coming up on March 28th have any association with the more frequent activity that's being noted all over the planet in regard to the uh, extraterrestrials and uh, SETI's efforts? Do you have a feel on that? Uh-uh, not at all. Um, I don't know why one would relate to the other necessarily. I just wondered if, you know, I mean... I've listened quite a bit. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think the ETs need any sort of planetary lineup to make a showing if they want to. Oh, I agree with that. I was just wondering if the, um, if the number of sightings and a sense of frequency, I mean, what was it last night? They said something about um, uh, uh, something was tracked and it was 25 miles long or something? Yes. What was, can you, can you refresh me and your listeners on that? I that, can. That blew me away. All right, I can, yes. Um, there was a GOES-9 satellite photograph of something that was apparently 25 miles in size. It was noted uh, not only on the um, standard camera shot, by, but on, on the infrared portion of the GOES-9 satellite uh, uh, photography as well. And now, there was a great disagreement about whether it was some sort of error, some sort of a bit error in the GOES-9 transmission. The argument against that, of course, is that uh, both cameras uh, saw exactly the same thing, and it showed an object to be 25 miles in size. I had the photograph, and I had it up on the website, and personally... I do think it was an artifact, but that's just me. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. Yes. Uh, this is Crow and uh, Hayward uh, listening on KSFO. Yes, sir. And, uh, yeah, we're just getting pounded here with the surf. They, they tell us it's rain, but I'm not too sure anymore. Well, is it raining now? Oh, man, it's really raining, I'm telling you. Uh, I talked earlier to Bob Crane up in Northern California, and he said, you know, tonight, if it keeps going like this, houses are going to begin to come off hills. Oh, they are already. Really? Oh, yeah, about three or four of them slid down so far now. Oh, boy. <clears throat> yeah, I was listening that... Uh, El Nino. That news you had about the monkeys biting the people. Yes, sir. And I have this Doberman, and she's sitting on the floor, kind of laying on the floor next to me and uh, eating this, uh, eating one of her bones or something, and she stopped eating, and she just picked up her ears, and she was listening... And she started wagging her tail. And then she turned around and gave me one of these one-eyed looks, you know. <laughs> and she was just laughing. You could tell she was just digging it, really. And I just had to call you and say, maybe there is something, because she sure was getting a kick out of that, you know. <laughs> it was All right. really eerie. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. Take care. <laughs> uh, the day the animals attack from the high desert. This is Coast to Coast AM. Stanton Friedman's coming up.
Kingdom of Nye. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Now, here again is Art. Once again, here I am coming up in a moment. Uh, four time zones to the east of us, Stanton Friedman, nuclear physicist. And victim of a UPN television show that interviewed him, I think, and then sort of took his comments and simply interspersed them in a program he never got to see. We'll talk to him about that. For Valentine's Day, why not give your sweetheart the most romantic and unique gift in the universe, a star? A star named personally for your sweetheart. Brooke Shields had a star named for Andre. Oprah Winfrey, Tom Cruise, they've all got stars. I've got one. My wife has one. And for a mere $45, you can have a star named for anyone you want. Just call the International Star Registry at 1-800-282-3333. They will send a beautiful full-color parchment certificate of record. Sky charts that will help you locate the star. A fascinating booklet on astronomy. Your new star name entered in the registry's book and then recorded with the U.S. Copyright Office. For more information, call them toll-free at 1-800-282-3333. I am asked most frequently for this phone number. Please write it down. Mention my name when you order, and you get a free current edition of my newsletter after dark. That number one more time is 1-800-282-3333. I'm here to tell you an amazing story. Late last year, an unbelievable discovery was made of U.S. $20 gold pieces. They were found in a Wells Fargo bank here in Nevada. Not only was the size of the find incredible, but the quality of the coins equally unbelievable. When the coins were sorted... It was found they were still covered with a very fine coating of gold dust, typical of coins fresh from the mint, very unusual for coins, nearly 90 years old. You see, these coins were all minted in 1908, a very interesting year. In that was the year that President Teddy Roosevelt had the motto, In God We Trust, removed from the coins until it was replaced the following year. If you'd like to see some pictures of these coins and information regarding their history, my sponsor, David Hall's North American Trading, would be happy to provide all that at no cost. Just call 1-800-359-4255 and ask for the free information on the Wells Fargo Gold Coin Discovery, and David Hall's North American Trading will be happy to send it to you. That number again, 1-800-359-4255. Three guys from Houston right? Art, we heard there was an AP report that you were mentioned in the Lewinsky tapes. Is there any truth to this? No. None that I'm aware of. I have never known Monica, met Monica, nor the president. So there'd be no reason for my name to be mentioned. But this is how these kinds of things get started. Now... Let us move east, way east, uh, to actually, where are you located, Stan? Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada, 73 miles east of the beautiful border town of Holton, Maine. Mm, way out there. in snow, I'll tell you that. Uh, you were far enough north, weren't you, that the, the great ice storm missed you? Well, it's interesting. It hit towns at the southern edge of New Brunswick. Uh, there were lots of power outages. We had plenty of ice. We had plenty of storm for the first time in 18 years that I've lived here. We had to have somebody shovel off the roof. There was three feet of snow over most of it. Wow. And people worry about that. But we did not lose power. Over 400,000 people in Maine did. And, of course, Quebec and Ontario had over a million. 
and uh, the roads are rotten right now. Uh, our street is one lane instead of two lanes wide. <laughs> no place to put the snow. It's it's strange. El Nino has done its dirty work, I'll tell you. It really has, and it's clobbering California right now. Uh, oh, really? You're getting rain, I suppose. Oh, uh, we're getting it here, actually, yes, in the desert as well. And California, California is getting like 30-foot waves, and they're getting... Uh, flooded, uh, heavy rain is forecast uh, throughout the remainder of the week. Houses are beginning to slide down off hills, that kind of thing. Bad. Bad, bad, bad. Uh, well, listen. Can't win. <laughs> would you give everybody a brief uh, sketch of your background, uh, since I didn't happen to get it from you this time? I know you're a nuclear physicist. Okay, uh, quick rundown. Bachelor's and Master's in Physics uh, from the University of Chicago in the mid-50s. Uh, Carl Sagan and I were classmates for three years. Then spent, uh, I've had three careers really. I spent 14 years in industry working on a wide variety of very advanced, classified, eventually canceled research and development programs, things like uh, nuclear airplanes, fission and fusion rockets. Worked on a nuclear rocket not too far from where you are, as a matter of fact, when I was with Westinghouse. Really? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, 90 miles from nowhere, out in the nuclear test site there. I worked in, out of Pittsburgh, but we did our testing out in Nevada. What went wrong with those things? Why didn't they work? Uh, no leadership. Uh, they did work. We successfully ground-tested nuclear rocket engines, power levels as high as 4,400 megawatts, which is twice the power of Grand Coulee Dam. Uh, but the, nobody had a plan for what to do with them, and the program was canceled. They'd been great for going to Mars. You know, you know, NASA just announced uh, that all manned missions to Mars and the moon have been canceled. And then the next day they came back and uh, Dan Golden said, no, we are still committed uh, to manned missions uh, uh, to the moon and Mars. Uh, and today I got a call from Jim Delatoso who said the reason they canceled them, aside from financial, was they now have better systems of propulsion and I, I wonder if it might be something well, I, I wish I knew what they were a nuclear rocket engine which uses uh, hydrogen heated to high velocity and kicked out the back end of the rocket is uh, well twice as efficient let's say as a chemical rocket uh, better miles per gallon if you will <laughs> make a great uh, upper stage and of course I worked on nuclear fusion rockets as well they would get us to the stars if you want to spend the dough and take the time and all the rest of that. So now, as far as I knew, we had not achieved fusion yet, except uh, uh, instantaneously in the lab. Well, we haven't achieved fusion in rockets, no. We have, uh, yeah, H-bombs will do very nicely, thank you. Uh, they use nuclear fusion, and of course the sun uses nuclear fusion, and out when you're prospecting, you want to find out how much oil is in the ground. You can use a little accelerator. You put down a borehole and make neutrons with nuclear fusion. But, no, uh, early 60s, we had a project going. It was paper study, if you will, uh, to use nuclear fusion for very deep space travel. But, again, there's no mission. Without the mission, mission nothing happens. So we know about a lot about nuclear fusion. Just look up in the sky in the middle of the day. You'll see a lot of it going on. And uh, the, the beauty of nuclear fusion is if you use the right stuff in the right way, you can kick particles out the back end of a fusion rocket that have 10 million times as much energy per particle as they can get in a dumb old chemical rocket. 
I mean, you talk miles per gallon, that's yeah. the way to go, you know. All right, look, uh, everybody, just about everybody in my audience saw you on the UPN <laughs> television network. They had this... Um, the story of the, uh, was it the McKenzie family? McPherson. McPherson, thank you, family. Uh, that was abducted, the entire family abducted. It was a one-hour program, and it was obviously acted. In other words, even though... Because even, they listed 22 cast members? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, yeah, but they see, they said the 8mm film was real. They brought an expert on who said, no, no this couldn't be faked. Uh, this is real. He was one of the actors. <laughs> he was one of the actors. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you must have been, too. I, I mean, well, how did you get involved with this? What happened? <laughs> I called you up. Of course, you said, no, I haven't even seen the show yet. Well, yeah. Uh, okay, I got a call on December 31st. Uh, about being interviewed for a show about uh, UFO abductions right. in California. Right. Um, okay, and they call me back the next day with all the arrangements, and on January 2nd, I caught a plane from Fredericton to Toronto, another one to Los Angeles, spent overnight, was interviewed for a little over an hour the next day, saw my daughter for three hours in L.A., caught a plane back. Now, I was asked, questions by somebody who obviously was very knowledgeable about UFO abductions. She did ask me to include the question in the answer. That's a standard technique on television, of course, where the interviewer doesn't appear on camera. Mm. You know, so you have an entity, a, a total comment. Uh, I did not see the video, the infamous video. Uh, I was not asked about the infamous video. I was asked General questions. What, 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 what did they tell you you were being interviewed for? In well, words, a what... show about abductions. What I was told, actually, was that um, Dick Clark Productions had this uh, really in bad shape program. They were hired to uh, make it uh, okay, if you will. And remember now, the show was broadcast on the 20th. That's a very, very short interval, as you can imagine, for yes. a network show that's committed. In other words, being advertised already, I guess. Oh, yes. I hadn't seen any of the ads. I thought I knew that Devon Smith, whom I respect, was going to be on the show, that she had been interviewed. I met uh, nobody else when I was there. The uh, actual filming was done in Burbank in somebody's home being used as a studio. And, of course, the one outfit I heard mentioned was Dick Clark Productions. Now, Dick Clark's been around even longer than I have been around, <laughs> as you know, and uh, I'd never thought of them as particularly a, a sleazebag outfit after all. He hands out money with Ed McMahon, you know. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, my feeling, there had been some, some quiet noise on the Internet in the week or so earlier than that about a show that wasn't well-defined at all, and... The rumbling was, well, we respectable UFO people shouldn't go on such a show. We'll teach the producers that they have to treat us properly. And I responded on the Internet, this is before I accepted the chore, right. that, uh, look, television is about money, it's about deadlines, it's not about truth. If I don't go on, if the good guys don't go on, the bad guys will, and there's certainly no shortage of them in ufology. 
that that is my viewpoint. That I, I've done a lot of television shows. You rarely, except when you're on absolutely live, and even then you don't get full control of anything. Uh, for that horrible alien autopsy program, remember that one? <laughs> you, you didn't like that, did you? Well, I was. I spent three days of my life. I was interviewed for three hours. They used, uh, I would say, thirty seconds, not quite, of my interview. Uh, people acted. I got a lot of email as a result of this program, as if the interviewee has all kinds of control, knows everything in advance. That's nonsense. Never happens that way. And even when you're live, I was on. Uh, I've been on loads of programs, but uh, Nightline, for example, a very respectable program. Oh, yes. Uh, the program was to be about the UFO cover-up, the Cosmic Watergate. I was on to be on with Philip Class, who's a straight nun, if you will. Mm. I'm going in with my blacked-out uh, government documents from the National Security Agency and the CIA. They would not allow me to bring those on camera, even though the show is about cover-up, and these prove that there is one. I argued for several minutes, but you don't win. They, what, what did they say? They said, it's not our policy. You can't bring anything on. You honestly think it was radio. I mean, with you, I can't hold the documents close to the phone and expect anybody to see them, but, uh, you know, television is a camera. <laughs> well, I can post stuff on the Internet. <laughs> yeah, well, they, this was 1987. Uh, it would have been, you know, that would have been a substitute, I suppose, but television, you expect you want visuals. Sure. So I've done a lot of programs in which, and that one was live. We were on, that was a strange program. Phil and I are sitting a foot away from each other. Uh. We can't look at each other. We each <laughs> have to look at our own camera. Yeah, that's right. I never saw Ted, not even, but they had no monitor. I heard him over my ear. It might as well have been radio. You know, I could have done it from home. <laughs> well, anyway, so, uh, you know. Yeah, so I did this show. Uh, the questions, uh, as I say, I was very impressed by the fact that the woman who interviewed me obviously had knew a lot about the whole abduction business. And I was uh, pleased about that, at least. You know, sometimes you get questions from people who know absolutely nothing. I don't need to tell you that. Uh, they're... Television, as I say, isn't about truth. It's not about science. It's uh, ratings and money. money. Yeah, money. That's what it's all about. So, uh, I, and I, they didn't broadcast the show here in beautiful Fredericton, snow-covered Fredericton. Uh, some people did send me tapes to Maine, and I watched it this weekend. Ah, so you've seen it now when I talk now to you. Now I've seen it, right? You have not seen it. No, I didn't see it until... Uh, Saturday night. And your reaction when you did? Well, you know, it was a mixed reaction. The show was so corny, the video stuff. I mean, you know, clearly fictional as far as I was concerned. Uh, I've been involved in stuff about abductions uh, for a long time. I met Betty and Barney Hill back in 1968. I was the first to publish about the star map work. Uh, my movie UFOs Are Real, done in 79, um, Betty was in it, Travis Walton was in it, we interviewed at him, at him at his home in Snowflake, Arizona, with Mike Rogers. I spent a lot of time with abduction researchers such as uh, Bud Hopkins, John Mack, John Carpenter. So I've been interested in, you know, abductions a long time, and clearly this, that video was uh, off the wall, if you will. Uh, you know, a, I won't say a cheap production, I don't know what it cost, but... Uh, not close to the mark when it comes to facts. I was 
watching to see how they cut my pieces. Obviously, they liked what I had to say and how I said it. Use a lot of you, yes. Yeah, and I'm told, although I didn't see it, that they use me in their ads. Uh, the preceding week, uh, there was my face. Uh, and, you know, as my literary agent once said, oh, yeah, people recognize you, Stan, uh, mad scientist with the raised eyebrows. <laughs> By the way, this show is going to air again, you know. That's what I heard, and that uh, concerns me. So today I called, uh, couldn't on Sunday, no point. I called UPN, I called uh, Dick Clark Productions, and I called the FCC to try to get a handle. Now, the FCC, you leave a message when you finally get to the right office, and they haven't called me back. Yeah, right. Clark Productions was very defensive, and uh, supposedly somebody is calling me back, but... Uh, Oh, we didn't give anybody the impression it was genuine. I brought up the um, Orson Welles business, War of the Worlds. Uh, you know, you gave, you scared a lot of people, but you didn't make clear what this was. And if you're going to run it again, don't you think there ought to be a, a little comment that says the uh, UFO experts did not see the video before it was... That'd be nice. ...before they were interviewed? Yeah. So the UPN called me back, and they tossed it back to... Dick Clark Productions, but supposedly I'm going to get a letter with a copy to them expressing my concerns. Well, I'm not going to give up that easy. I want to see what's going to happen. And, you know, yes, I signed a release. They could use my voice and face and, you know, throughout the universe, I think it said, as these things often do. That's right. You know, throughout the Un known Universal universe. rights. Yeah, throughout the known universe. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, there's a difference, you see. If you're using me to sell something which isn't what you say it is, then uh, there's a little legal problem there. And I have no qualms about digging in and protesting. Um, I have problems with some of the reactions of the, quote, UFO community, unquote. What have they been saying? Well, how could you? How could you? And then others were saying, well... You, we've known your work for a long time, and if I listened very carefully, I could tell that you weren't really talking about the video, although they linked it beautifully. I could, too. I could tell your comments were uh, general abduction yeah. comments and not specific to what was on the screen. Yeah, that's what they were saying. And, you know, I understand that half the people who voted, although I don't know how legitimate the voting is, I understand you could push the yes button over and over again to say it was real, that half thought, it was real, and, you know, if you weren't watching carefully and didn't really catch the credits, and some people told me that their stations had a split screen at the end with the news uh, advertising, you know, tune in two minutes for the news. And the credits were small anyway. Yeah, yeah, and went by rapidly, and so I, I could see where you didn't see that, and okay, it wasn't an educational show, especially, except, I thought, for the comments made by Yvonne and myself. And, frankly, one of the things I liked about the show, people said I hurt the UFO community. Well, certainly Dr. Michael Shermer, the, um, the skeptic on the show, didn't come off very well at all. His comments seemed to be not appropriate of anything. It didn't appear that he knew anything about the subject, which is standard par for the course for... Uh, debunkers, uh, you know, one of the rules is don't bother me with the facts my mind's made up. Sure, show class. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, I think it helped us on that score. And my 
interesting comment, I guess, to, to me was that uh, nobody, not one person who was protesting, complained about what I said or how I said it. No, and they wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't. Uh... What you said was just fine, uh, and on a, 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 a any other show, it would have fit right in and would have sounded uh, absolutely proper. But you know, with fuse boxes exploding, and, yeah, and the battery melting, and the, yeah, all all of that stuff. Um, they look. They said this was eight millimeter film. Was it? Well, I'm sure it wasn't. Uh, look, it was totally a manufactured production. I guess a similar version had been around for some time. I have to ask, though, okay, suppose somebody else had been on. Forget the UFO community. That's a small percentage of the world. There were probably, what, three to five million viewers anyway. I don't know what the ratings were, so I can't say. Uh, would, would we all be better off if somebody less well-equipped, if one of the phonies that are out there, for example, had been on the show instead, and as an expert said things that weren't true. And boy, that happens a lot, Art. Yes, it does. You've had people on who you know afterward, hey, that's not true. Oh, sure. You know, you remember, uh, dare I mention Heaven's Gate and uh, yes, you know, you, all that you, stuff. Yes, you dare, sure. Uh, and so... Courtney Brown, Professor uh, Courtney yes. Brown. Dear old Courtney Brown. And... Uh, Courtney you want is, to panic people, that was the kind of thing, to panic people. Court, Courtney has faded um, into the background, and you don't hear much about Courtney anymore. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know. I think he still has his job, probably. <laughs> uh, oh, he had deep tenure. There's no question about that. All right, hold on, Stan. We'll be right back to you. Stan Friedman is my guest. He's a nuclear physicist, and he was on that abduction show that so many of us saw. <laughs> So do I. We'll be right back. Coast AM from the Kingdom of Nye. Now, once again, here's Art Bell. Once again, here I am. Good morning, everybody. Stanton Friedman is my guest. He is a nuclear physicist who was recently commenting on abductions for UPN. And I don't think he's too happy about his part in that. He's contacted the FCC and Dick Clark Productions. And we'll see what happens on the rerun, whether there's any disclaimers or not. What image comes to mind when I say Valentine's Day? Hearts and flowers, angels, cupids, maybe. How about a perfect rose dipped in 24-karat gold? That's right. Now that we're approaching February 14th, the American Gold Rose Company's back with their popular collection. Just listen. First, their classic rose, priced at $49.95. It's 11 inches long and comes in a beautiful gift box. Then, the Hollywood Elite, for just $65. You can send that special someone a long stem gold rose, 17 inches long, delivered right to their door in a gold presentation box, or just order the original rose. Simple, no leaves. Just $39.95, but, of course, coated with 24-karat gold. There's more if you buy any two gold roses now. 
you receive free a genuine rose leaf dipped in 24 karat gold on a gold-plated chain. It's all from the American Gold Rose Company. Call them now at 1-800-458-7134. That's 1-800-458-7134. Live in Alaska, Hawaii, or Canada. Dial area code 918-687-0404. Check them out on the Internet at www.americangoldrose.com. Go ahead, treat your valentine. As you probably know, I'm not exactly an auto mechanic, but like a heart transplant for your car. Well, it was for my little metro, no question about that. Uh, well over 63 miles per gallon now. <laughs> Back to Stanton Friedman. Uh, Stanton, what is going on now in the world of ufology? Um, where are we? Well, one thing that's happening to me, and I'm pleased to announce it to your audience, Art, is that because of the problems of not having control of anything when you do television, uh, you sign releases, often the program doesn't get released for a long time, you don't know how you're going to be used, I'm going to be a producer of all things. You are. Of a television documentary for a network show, unspecified at the moment, being done by White Wolf Pictures in Minneapolis. Uh, they've done a lot of nature stuff for PBS. And I will have full control as producer. <laughs> I won't be executive producer. They're the guys who worry about the money. Sure. Uh, but I'm going to be out there, uh, what, the 18th, I guess, uh, of February. We're going to be going over. I'll spend three days talking to them, and we'll be, you know, setting down the basic parameters of what we want to say. One of the problems, you know, people can complain about this UPN show, and I, I'm not blaming them for complaining. It's an insult to our intelligence in many ways. But uh, certainly the very same night, there were, was another show on television on a different network about UFOs, which had Bob Lazar. Uh, they were claiming he was a nuclear physicist. He isn't. They had uh, Frank Kaufman on. Uh, they said he was a sergeant at Roswell in 1947 and a member of the secret group of nine. You can talk about the saucer he saw, of course. He wasn't a sergeant. He got out in October of 45. Loads of other shows in which there is false information. I mean, you know, the ultimate is the United States Air Force has been lying. Um, one of the things I'll send anybody who sends me a self-addressed stamp number 10 envelope to my post office box in beautiful Holton, Maine, uh, post office box 958 Holton 04730-0958, is a five-page review of the Air Force's fourth explanation for Roswell. You know, the crash test dummy volume, the Roswell report, case closed. Colonel Haynes, time compression. Well, no, yeah, yes, that Colonel Haynes. Okay. Say, another Haynes who wrote for the CIA with false information. And, you know, I resent being lied about in the first place, but I resent the fact that the public paid for Captain McAndrew's time and for publishing the report. They paid for the really monstrous report, almost a thousand pages, from Colonel, um, what's his name, uh, Weaver, uh, the disinformation specialist. We're talking big bucks here, massive misrepresentation. That seems to get by. So what I want to do in the show is actually document things. You know, I thought that's what documentaries were supposed to do. So how are you going to set about to do it? Well... We're going to deal with the large-scale scientific studies. We will prove that there's a cosmic water gate. I'll show the documents that uh, your old Ted Koppel wouldn't let me show. 
We'll tell the story on, we'll probably use some of the footage of a nuclear rocket in operation. Wow. Undoubtedly, well, I know where it is. I'll undoubtedly show the kind of accelerations people can withstand, contrary to the opinions of the noisy negativist. We'll make sure people know what's been going on. Um, I did a show in England uh, June 27th, three days after the crash test dummies, the time travelers, <laughs> were announced. It was called The Strange But True. There were three of us on the, the good guys versus three bad guys, if you will. It was set up as a debate. It wasn't. It was clips and live interviews. Of, there were debunkers at the studio and so forth. All during the show. This illustrates the major impact of that Air Force explanation. All during the show, you could call one number to say yes and another one no to the question, do you think aliens have visited Earth? Now, 100,000 people registered their votes. This was on the independent television network all over England. 92% said yes. That's an overwhelming kind of number, you know? It's more support than our president has. Uh, yes, just a bit more. Just a bit more. And uh, apparently the public is, let uh, us say, far readier to accept the notion of flying saucers as alien visitors than they are the president. <laughs> uh, but that's not surprising, I suppose. The facts are clearer, I think. We don't know. We know less about what the president did. So um, we will be looking at the, the hard information, and we will check out anybody who's on, as I'm sure you're aware, I've been involved. I've been attacked by the, quote, some members of the UFO community for exposing frauds. Which, you know, shoot the messenger, after all. And uh, to use Ronald Reagan's great line, trust but verify. I understand it's a Russian proverb, but I don't speak Russian, so one of Gorbachev's lines. But um, we will check people out. And for too long, there have been frauds in ufology. I mean, there's the Air Force on the one side uh, with their lies. And I have challenged uh, them to a debate. No response, of course, but... Wouldn't it be great to have a debate with, say, Dr. Bruce McAbee and I on one side and Colonel Weaver and Captain McAndrew on the other? Oh, wouldn't that be great? Hey, you want to be, you can moderate. We'll let you moderate. <laughs> Would love to. They don't have guts enough, frankly, and I'll challenge them right here and now. Let's stop the lies, gentlemen. I mean, I'm lied about, and I resent it very much. And I resent it more than, than the UPN kind of thing. We've had loads of those. And, you know, if they had said at the beginning of the show that the four experts were interviewed without their having seen the video that's the focus of this show or some words, you know, a disclaimer of some sort. But I don't like being misused. I'm not handsome, but apparently my face is well known in ufology. <laughs> it absolutely is. And uh, no. you were certainly misused. There's no question about that, and I, in your place, would be very angry. I take it you've uh, been getting lots of heat about it all. Yeah, email and faxes and telephone calls, and I will say this. People were, as soon as I explained that I hadn't seen the video, I wasn't asked about the video, uh, I didn't know what context was going to be used, I did get a chance to see my daughter. <laughs> uh, you know, people were... were very understanding. Uh, well, those are the ones you can get back to, but as you pointed out, millions of people saw the program. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it'll be... In, I don't know what the ratings were, and 
we will see whether they act responsibly. I, I'm not going to give up uh, waiting for a letter for you from UPN or letting uh, uh, Dick Clark Productions off the hook. I mean, each says it's the other's responsibility. One of the things that concerns me, and maybe your listeners can help a little bit here, is that how was it presented in the TV sections of the newspapers and TV guides? We didn't have it here, so I don't know. But some people tell me that it was listed under documentaries. Right. As opposed to under, uh, you know, movies. Entertainment, whatever. Yeah. And that I object to. Now, I had people complaining to me that that woman who, that abductee, well, I sure couldn't stand her. Well, she was an actress. You know, uh, sorry. I, I wish it wasn't so, but it was. So were the little aliens. So were the aliens. They were listed as Alien 1 and Alien 2 in the credits. Uh, so was the sheriff, so was the news reporter. And, you know, there's a fine line between uh, fraud and fiction, I guess. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they say about it. But, you know, look, here we are talking about it, lots of other people talking about it. And I personally believe that a lot of people watching probably learned something from Yvonne Smith's comments, from my comments. Sure. They probably learned... Uh, raised an eyebrow at the comments of the skeptic, maybe that's good, you know. So, you know, a baseball player is gets, a, what, five million a year if he hits uh, gets a hit a third of the time. Third of the time. Right. Uh, okay, was this thing a hit? No, <laughs> not even a third of the time. <laughs> well, it was, I, I think it was widely seen. Um, uh, the, the night of its airing, I... It really was unable to talk about anything else. That's all people wanted to talk about. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so it was widely seen. There's no question about that. And people were really angry. Angry or scared or both? No. Well, a few scared, most angry, because, uh, you know, I've got a fairly educated audience in, in, in the yep. field of ufology. And, That's for sure. And, and they were insulted. Uh, they were insulted. Uh, on the one hand, it was said to be 8-millimeter home film, and on the other, we've got credits at the end showing the whole thing was acted, and we've got a presentation that suggests that um, it's a real presentation. Oh, yes, I understand the Sheriff's Department up in Lake County, Minnesota, got loads of calls. And knew nothing about the, this family. Yes, of course. Incidentally. And, you know, even green, green grass in Minnesota in uh, November, forget it. <laughs> you won't see any here either. Yeah, there you go. See the ground. Uh, but, uh, so, you know, yeah, it, it was a, a bad deal. Could have been worse, believe it or not. Uh, that, that's why I want to do this, my documentary, and where it'll be clear what's going on and that uh, the phonies need not apply for space on the air. We are looking, though. Uh, I'm always looking for new witnesses, uh, Roswell, crash saucers, all the rest. One of the things that I found after the crash test dummies was that there were a lot of Air Force people who were upset. They were insulted sure. by that explanation. As a matter of fact, I talked to Colonel Madsen, he was one of the leaders of the project about dropping the crash test dummies from balloons, from ejection seats, and so forth. Back in the I'd seen a little blurb in a newspaper article, so I called him and visited with him when I was down there. I made five trips to New Mexico this past year. 
There's a place called Roswell where something strange happened 50 years ago that I was the first to, as a civilian, to investigate. Anyway, I talked to him, and he was adamant. Even though his picture's in the book, this is the book, uh, Roswell Report, Case Closed. Right. And a five-page review to all your listeners who send me that self-addressed stamped envelope. Um, he was adamant uh, on a couple of different levels. One was, he pointed out, that the crash test dummies had to be the same size and weight as real pilots. Right. Otherwise, the tests were meaningless. Of course. And the picture shows the uh, crash test dummy actually being a little taller than he was. About six feet, I think. What? It was about six feet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the size of a pilot. Second thing, uh, very interesting, uh, he and his wife, before they were married, had been independently heard that bodies, alien bodies, had been brought into the base years earlier. He also pointed out something that gets to what guys would tell their wives and all that stuff. He had a job rating which was lousy, and it was because his boss didn't know what he was doing. He was working on something related to the U-2 project, and it was his boss's boss who corrected the rating because he knew what was going on. So it, it illustrates... Security and if you talk to people who've had clearances, they understand that need to know. In other words, some people act as if you tell everybody and hope they won't talk. Well, you tell me next week I'll be in Washington D.C. at the archives too, looking through newly declassified materials, and uh, it'll be interesting, you know, to see what I see. People don't realize how much it's in old stuff. They think it's all declassified, you know, after 20 years, 30 years, whatever. It's not true. How really good is the Roswell case? Well, you know, if you talk about the real Roswell cases described, for example, in my book, Crash at Corona, it's very damn good, if you will. If you talk about some of the nonsense that's been put out since, it's terrible. Um... People who are telling his story to the National Enquirer. Yes. Nonsense. Or going to a reunion on Showtime. At least half of it was right. Half of it was wrong, too, for, what's the term, dramatic license? Yes, yes. You know, it was even shot in Arizona instead of New Mexico. (laughs) Well, that's all right. Uh, Pahrump was destroyed. It was shot in Arizona as well uh, in Mars attacks, you'll recall. That's right. You know what I'm saying, that there is the fictional account. I just read something uh, on the Internet again. Somebody was quoting Sarah McClendon, you know, the uh, reporter. Mr. President, Mr. President, that's the name of her book. She apparently had about uh, less than a page about Roswell. And she was working in Washington. She has the Kenneth Arnold sighting happening, and because of that, the rancher reporting something that had happened a month earlier. Total garbage. Can you separate uh, reality from fiction with regard, for example, to the uh, the Showtime production? What part of it uh, was real? What part of it was dramatic? License? Well, a lot of it was dramatic. For example, there was no reunion that Jesse went to. He wasn't trying to vindicate himself. He never indicated that he was angry and upset and dismayed because of how he'd been treated. He was a career military officer. Boss tells you to not say anything, you don't say anything. They put out a phony explanation. That's the way the world works. He went on about his job. Uh, there, there were a number of things in there, the uh, the mysterious 
person, I can't even remember his name in the show, uh, you know, the insider who's trying to help out, none of that happened. And, you know, they almost tabloidized the story in, in some ways, and it wasn't a tabloid story. Um, that fits with the Air Force saying that um, the story came to light in 1978 when uh, the National Enquirer went to them. While the interview was carried in 1980, uh, he didn't go to them at all. I referred the reporter who did an excellent job, Bob Pratt, been writing good UFO stories for years uh, at that time. The panel that the Enquirer had, I mean, he helped on the committee. Uh, but it was 1980 after Bill Moore and I had talked to Spresswell. And he never sought attention himself at all. So there were a lot of details that were played for um, drama, if you will. What, what do you think you know that did happen? Well, as far as I'm concerned, there's no question about certain parts of the story. For example, ranchers stumbled across the material after a big storm on the night of July 2nd. On the 3rd, he stumbled across all this amount of material. Now, the Air Force Counterintelligence Corps guy says, oh, yes, I remember. He suddenly has a new memory area, 20 feet square, would easily fit in one vehicle. It was just a weather balloon, I thought so at the time. Well, hogwash. If that's what it had been, the rancher would have driven it into town, uh, and collected his reward, and gone on about his business. <laughs> Strange stuff, that foil-like material. The I-beam-like uh, pieces, they're very strong, and perhaps 100, 200 feet wide. Hmm. The sheep wouldn't cross it. Uh, there was no way he could get that in his truck. There would have been nothing to go back to if uh, Colonel Cavett retired. Nice pension uh, was correct. Uh, so he found this wreckage. He showed some to the neighbor. The neighbor's still alive, after all. Uh, Mac Brazel's son is still alive. I was with him in April. Talked to a lot of the key witnesses. One of them has died since, as a matter of fact. What about the bodies? Well, there was nothing said about bodies then. Uh, that was later, and if you believe the MJ twist in Seek Magic, uh, the bodies were a couple miles away. So the rancher didn't see them. Just When I first heard about bodies was when I spoke with uh, uh, friends, I guess is the simplest way to put it, of Barney Barnett the civil engineer who discovered other wreckage out in the plains of San Augustine, 160 or so miles away. Here, here, where the actual craft was, not just... ...craft with a big gouge uh, that looked like two parentheses face-to-face. Yeah, you buy, you, you buy that. In other words, you buy the second part of the story, the oh, second yeah. craft. ...was in the material, uh, in the military, and his boss said, look, if you're so interested in this stuff, the guy you ought to talk to is this guy, and he wrote down a name and address. It was Barney Barnett in Socorro, New Mexico. Socorro, and when right. Bill went out to uh, Arizona, for other reasons, he made a clutch, but only talked to him after he had shown his military credentials. All right, Stanton, hold on. We're at the top of the hour. We're going to break here once again. We're talking now about what did occur at Roswell, and we're going to talk a bit about Cosmic Watergate as well. From the high desert, this is Coast to Coast AM.
the kingdom of nigh. This is Coast to Coast. Call at 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico at 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers may recharge at area code 702-727-1222. Now, 727-8499. Please limit your faxes to one or two pages. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Now again, here's Art. My guest is a real nuclear physicist. When you think about the future, do you see our economy getting better? Or do you see it worsening? I don't know. market was up about 200 points yesterday, huh? With an investment of your time, you can circumnavigate any changes in the market. You can learn to invest in commodities. Gold, copper, orange juice, heating oil, just to name a few. For three and a half years now, I've been telling you how the Ken Roberts Company has successfully taught people to learn and understand the principles of making money through clear, decisive Decisions. Roberts, and you invest on paper as you go. Only when you're absolutely certain that you'd be making money if you were using it, do you switch and begin using real money, in effect, graduating yourself. What he would like to do right now is simply send you information without obligation and free. It's a complete report and audio tape that explains the whole side to proceed from there. Free. The number is 1-800-GOLD, G-O-L-D-K-R-C. Or if you want the numbers, which I prefer, it's 1-800-465-357. Stan, we were talking about Roswell and what was real about Roswell. Uh, Have you read the Philip J. Corso book? Yes, I have, of course. I met... um... Corso and uh, Bill Burton, a uh, fairly negative response. I mean, first, as a physicist, I'm offended by no references, no anything, uh, some inconsistencies from place to place. Um, second, the checking I've done hasn't given me a lot of faith in things. Um, for example, on a radio program, not yours, uh, I asked Colonel Corso, I said, how is it that you know the exact date, July 6th, when you saw that body at Fort Riley, you know, uh, well, I know when I was transferred to Fort Riley, well, that was March or April, I thought the members of the control group, the Majestic 12 group, well, we had about a dozen boards connected with the National Security Council at that time, well, this wasn't a group that met, you know, Thursdays for lunch, <laughs> uh, I think he got it from my book, or Burns did, um, when he was in Italy, according to two Italian researchers, uh, they told me this in Brazil, it's been a busy year. Uh, he spent, uh, I don't know, 10 days over there. Uh, he told them that he'd been, if you look at his military record, uh, no room in there. He was mixed up with missile battalions. Uh, I checked with Sandia, both the uh, military and the lab side. And he listed there. Um, you know, Wilbur Smith, the Canadian. Well, Wilbur died of a brain tumor in the early 60s. Uh, Wilbur was at the Department of Transport. He wasn't in the military. How could that be, in other words? Um, and there were a number of other claims being made that, you know, what's the basis? Also, the whole book is predicated, basically, that on the notion that uh, Corso wound up saving the world Single-handedly, it almost says that in the language. But not until after he got involved, which was 1961, and frankly, 
what happened between the one? Uh, the people who were members of that control group weren't do-nothing type people. They were exactly the opposite. So I accept the basic notion, and I talk about it in my book, Top Secret Magic, that what he says, that you would sort of slip it into industry. Right. It's a simple thing to do. You give some people new things to work with, let them think it's a Russian stuff. Journal. That part I don't object to. But the um, absence of any activity from 47 to 61 also. He claims he was head of the Foreign Technology Group of the Army under General Trudeau. He got a roster from the Army archives of all the people under Trudeau. It's, I don't know, four pages long. There are only two people in the Foreign Technology Group. He was the junior officer. The senior officer, unfortunately, just died within the last several months. Never had a chance to talk to him. He was ill and in the hospital and so forth. But he was, there were two people in the group, and he was the junior officer. So it seemed he ended his role in whatever he did. And... uh so I'm, I'm still, it's in my gray basket at best, a lot of deception. I think it was an exploitation book. That's about the best I can say. All right, well, if there really was a crash at Roswell on a recovery of a craft and body, some a technology to back engineer and examine. Oh, yes, of course. Of course, no question about it. Uh, now, remember, some people have acted as if what that means is you take the piece from the saucer and you uh, file it with the blueprints in the right place and that tells somebody how to make it. You certainly wouldn't do that. There wouldn't be any blueprints there and you wouldn't be able to duplicate it that way. What you would do is find the best people working in that particular area. Let's say metallurgy. Let's say it's a new device and you know what it does, but maybe it might help them in what they're doing. And, you know, the thing that makes a particular research objective more likely to be achieved is knowing that what you're trying to achieve can be done. The Soviet atomic bomb, for example. We knew you could build an atomic bomb. The U.S. had exploded five million. But Hitler didn't know you could build one, so he spent very little money. He knew you could build rockets. And uh, by the end of the war, you know, give it another six months, he'd have had a something stronger than the handout pieces of stuff. It gives people new directions to look, new things to try. But it doesn't, you know, first you have to figure out how something works. Then you try to duplicate it, and then you have to do it economically. In other words, if you find a super special high-strength metal that only costs you $5,000 a pound to make, you don't make automobiles out of it. That brings us to some of the stuff that was sent to me, you know, this bismuth magnesium yeah. stuff. Um, nobody, as you know, has, they can make it, they can't grow it, they can't, um, uh, reproduce it at all, and it remains, by the way, to this day, um, very much a mystery, as you know, Linda Howe has really gone to work on this. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, the, the one kicker you need to is, is it something from a highly classified military project? Now, when I say the cost, is important. It's important for cars, but if it's part of a laser weapon system or a nuclear weapon system, uh, A, the general world would never know about it, and B, cost doesn't really matter. So that that's one of the kickers, that uh, anything new and really different, and certainly uh, bismuth and magnesium is different, uh, if it were part of a military thing, you'd never know about it. 
you know, you'd have no reference point. But the reason to prove something is extraterrestrial. Not so. No, not no, so. No, I mean, look at all those. Look, look at superconductors. They're weird materials. Yttrium, barium, strontium, oxides with copper. I mean, that's crazy. But all those elements are from here, you know. And so, and look at today's micro-integrated circuits. You know, the, the Pentium uh, business, that whole thing. If you took some of this stuff 50 years ago, you couldn't analyze it. You certainly couldn't duplicate it. Be magic. Yeah, exactly. That's what Arthur Clarke said. Advanced technology is by definition magic. And so, and then when you throw into the pot the intentional government deception, now you know that, uh, for example, Strom Thurmond withdrew his introduction to Corso's book, uh, saying it was for another book. Uh, and of course, Corso and Burns are suing each other. That he was kind of tricked into it the way you were that TV show. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I, I was buying oranges and you gave me apples, uh, kind of thing. Uh, and so, aside, the real story doesn't depend on Colonel Corso's book. There have been other rip-off books. The, there are three negative books that I've read. and uh, Your buddy, uh, Cal Korf's book, uh, the less said the better. And I have specific <laughs> false claims that were made in there. Does Cal Korf go after you as well? Well, he's trying to butter me up lately. I've known him for a long time when he was just a high school kid in uh, California there. And so he, he's trying on the one hand to say, hey, it, it's okay, it's all right, I'm, we'll work together. But when I find some of the things that are in his book, I, I almost laugh. Um, uh, for example, he, I, one of my great major discoveries, if you will, uh, about MJ-12 was that Dr. Donald Howard Menzel, Harvard University astronomer, UFO debunker, how could he be part of a highly classified group and so forth, was that he had a long history of a double life. He worked with the NSA, a continuous connection with the NSA, 30 years as of 1960, of anybody in the country and its Navy predecessor. Well, Cal says, look, I had access about Menzel. Now, he never mentions NSA. He talks about the CIA. Yeah, he was connected with the CIA. Well, my whole focus was on the NSA, and I've got copies of Mendel's contracts with them. There was a patent dispute. There were other things going on, and no question, that's true. He was with the NSA. Mm. Uh, he talks about a book on question documents, uh, Osborne's book published in uh, 1970, MJ-12 Documents, is the Truman Signature on a memo from uh, 1947 establishing MJ-12. 76. No, you can't have similar signatures. Uh, signatures. Well, the book was published before 1910. This is, I had already published this little piece of information. Phil Classen come up with the 76 number. And it says two sentences away from a quote by these guys that you can have identical signatures, just not consecutive ones. <laughs> I mean, Harry Truman signed his name a lot. <laughs> Uh, as a matter of fact, then it's something he wrote after that 48 victory. Remember the <laughs> the Dewey <laughs> victory over Truman, according to Chicago? Oh, members? yes, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, he said he, he wrote uh, somebody in the family that he was signing 500, his name 500 times. <laughs> you want to bet there aren't some, quote, identical signatures there? And there were a bunch of other things. He attacks uh, Marcel, one of the key witnesses here. And... Uh, if you check carefully, the attack is unsubstantiated. It's wrong. If you look at the very records that are supposed to show that 
he was a, a malfeasant, a liar, an exaggerator. Well, that's not the way it was. Does he want that? Then he was. The record proves it. So you know, slops. It's one of the difficulties. How does the layperson interested in UFOs? Everybody seems to be. I mean, look at Men in Black, right? Uh, you know, Independence Day and so forth. Uh, how does he sort through the the good from the bad? And that's the distressing things about uh, the UPN show. It didn't give a true picture of the abduction situation. Uh, there was recently um, something that came down in Greenland, not all that far from you. Uh, something big. The original reports, and I haven't seen anything since. And some guy was saying it was a nuclear blast. Come down, ball, ball lights come down, daytime meteors, if you will. Uh, I don't know. And, you know, it's not an easy place to find something in the middle of winter. Right. Uh, you couldn't find anything around here with all the snow on the ground, no less Greenland. And we have a reasonable number of stuff going on. on there's a man, Lucius Farish, in Arkansas, who puts out 20 pages a month, legal size, of clippings of mostly UFO sightings every month. So there's stuff going on all the time. Um, Lucius' uh, address and so forth, he's one of the old-timers in the field and does a good job. It would be on the free list of materials that people get if they send me the self-addressed stamped envelope. Yeah, give us that address again. Yeah, uh, that's... Uh, number, number 10 envelope, folks. Yeah, makes life... There are eight pages of information, and it's hard to fold and fit in a small envelope, believe me. Uh, Stan Friedman, or UFO, Post Office Box 958, Holton, H-O-U-L-T-O-N, Maine, which is M-E... 04730-0958, and you'll get a five-page specials. Uh, special prices on my CD-ROM, my videos, my books, and another page that has the addresses of MUFON and Mr. Farish and a bookstore, Arcturus Books, that sells UFO stuff that, in many cases, you can't get any. We're looking for it, and it's great to have some place where you can go for it. Uh, the mythology with reality. Sure. And, you know, it's like that uh, that Michael Wolf stuff got attacked for the UPN thing. Now, some people uh, predictably said, well, how could you do anything that had the same guy involved who was involved in the alien autopsy fiasco? They mentioned his name, and I won't on the air, but um, uh, I wasn't involved, and if I'd had heard his name, I would never have gone to California mm -hmm. because of the lousy show. Uh, you know, you get attacked for the wrong things. But there are people claiming degrees they don't have, uh, connections they don't have, experiences they didn't have. And I resent that uh, a great deal. That, that's why when I talk about being a producer, it's not just a fancy title for this uh, documentary for the fall with the White Star pictures. You've got how many hours a night to fill, Art? Five. Five hours. Uh, you know, that's 25 hours a week of people. That's an awful lot of pleasure to write a book, and it took me a long time to write Top Secret Magic. Then you, it's obligation to do that. That's why I'm so disappointed in so many television programs that uh, they know it's an exciting subject, they know people are interested, so they find somebody to talk. Good, bad, and different really doesn't matter. Hey, Sam, how hard would it be to make an atomic bomb? 
Well, you know, interesting. The theory is basically straightforward. If you difficulty comes in, in two ends, and it's not fully appreciated that one of the key things of the atomic bomb, for example, was learning to machine explosives, pieces of explosive around pieces of fissionable material, each of them less than a critical mass. If you push them together, explosives have to be machined very carefully. That's not a job I would want. Secondly, the hardest part is to get the fissionable material. Natural uranium, you're not going to make a bomb out of. You got to get uranium 235, very highly enriched. Bomb grade. Yeah, ain't easy to do that. Or you can make plutonium. Sounds simple. You don't buy it at the corner store. You got to build a big reactor and convert some uranium. That's where the problem came. And until recently, where there might be Soviet fissionable materials on the market, so to speak black market, I guess I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing what to do is one thing, but having the industrial know-how. The building in which uh, U-235 was separated during World War II was a mile long. They had to develop these wow. nickel with the little holes in it, you know, and pumps for uranium hexafluoride. At one time, they were using 11% of the electricity of the United States to pump all that. Good Lord. You know, so what I'm saying is, the basic idea is straightforward. Uh, putting it to practice is not. And that's what's kept down the proliferation of nuclear weapons. Well, we hear now that there are 100 Soviet, excuse me, Russian, uh, is that possible? Well, you can certainly build one that small. It's kind of heavy. Uranium is heavier than gold, as a matter of fact. But um, it, it is possible. Shell, which gives you an idea that it doesn't need to be very big. Now, that's not a big H-bomb. Now. Hold, hold, hold on, Stan. We're at the bottom of the arrow. We'll be right back. This is Coast to Coast AM. From east of the Rockies, dial 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers may reach art at area code 702. On the wild card line at area code 702-727-1295. To reach art from outside the U.S., first dial your access number to the USA. Then, 800 this is Coast to Coast AM from the Kingdom of Nye with Art Bell. Oh, it sure is. Stan Friedman is my guest. He is a real nuclear physicist. We're talking about how to make an atomic bomb right now in the suitcase nukes from Russia. How would you like to have a security guard in your home, on duty in your home, 24 hours a day? Well, we've got the next best thing, brand new on the show. I've got the TA-2000. It's a full-function telephone and much more. You see, it's also a revolutionary home security system that plugs directly into a standard phone jack. The TA-2000 features an infrared motion detector, smoke detector, and medical emergency button. 
When any emergency occurs, the TA-2000 automatically begins to dial nine pre-programmed numbers until someone answers. The recipient is alerted as to what kind of emergency is being reported accordingly. An array, actually, of wireless accessories to expand security in your home or office. There is a pendant to be worn by the triggers. Other accessories include smoke detectors, motion sensors, and door and window contacts. The TA-2000 won the Innovations Award for Design and Engineering Showcase Honor for Home Security at the 1997 Computer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Check them out on the web at www.911home. The normally sells for $249.95 with a one-year guarantee, but the Art Bell Special gives it to you for $199. To order, call Tell Alert at 1-888-541-1306. It is I've got the TA-2000 on duty protecting my home. No monthly fees. You can do the same. Again, no monthly monitoring fees. Call one lose an average 8 to 10 pounds in the next month. We know that fiber helps sweep fat out of the digestive tract like a broom, reducing the amount of fat. Let me tell you about a revolutionary fiber. Kytosan. It's a natural fiber that comes ten times more fat than other fibers. You can get this fiber in a formula called KytoSlim. KytoSlim is effective because you can lose weight without changing your eating habits. And there are no stimulants. It's a gentle, effective way to lose excess weight. Here's the special offer. When you order a 90-day supply of KytoSlim, you'll get an antioxidant moisturizing cream absolutely free. Call one 800 back and it's not available in stores. So call 1-800-557-4627. That's 1-800-557-4627. Back now to Stan Friedman. Uh, Stan, welcome back. If you had uh, the facilities, uh, and I assume it wouldn't take a building a mile long anymore to... Probably not. I'd need a lot of help. I mean, if you had the components, that's one thing. It's very sophisticated kind of stuff, uh, not only with your technicians, but being able to measure stuff, you need uh, instruments for monitoring radiation levels. Uh, again, the machining of the parts, just to put it uh, anywhere near together. There's always the danger, you know, one of these things going off prematurely. You don't get a big blast, but you get enough to kill anybody standing by. Mm. So, build it in your head. Here's a kid at Princeton or something who said he could do that. Well, you know, if you add enough uh, stuff along on the outside, on the perimeter, so to speak, enough other people doing enough things. Uh, but getting the fissionable material, that's why all the uh, enriched isotopes of uranium, plutonium, these are called accountable materials. You keep track of them by the gram. Yeah, but we've got a lot of them missing by the pound. Well... Yeah, um, what the, frankly, if you were to ask what's the biggest threat to mankind in the world today, I would, without hesitation, say all that nuclear material around the Soviet Union and the guys who are guarding it not getting paid. Uh, because now, suddenly, you have a way for your your crazies, if you will, to try to get access, where they wouldn't have to take this large industrial development. You wouldn't even have to really uh, cause the fissionable material, bomb grade certainly, to um, uh, 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 explode. You could uh, put it, uh, surround it uh, with dynamite and just blow the whole thing, couldn't you? Well, 
you know, how much poisoning you're going to get. There are all kinds of things that are pretty dangerous if you know how to deliver them. And frankly, some of the biological stuff that uh, Saddam is supposed to have and that others have been working on is equal. If he were to use biological or chemical, we would answer with nuclear. Well, I would expect so. Nuclear destroys things, uh, biological and chemical. Does he deliver the biological so well that you don't have time? You know, you'll hear stories about plutonium, that most deadly substance known to man. Much worse, you know, a drop on the skin will kill you kind of thing. Well, and biologicals, of course, amplify. We literally have something that would go around the world and just more or less clean our slate. Yeah, it, the biological stuff is particularly scary. I mean, one thing about nuclear materials, they're heavy, they're dense, they don't float around in the air, you know. Uh, it's When a train goes off the track, they evacuate a whole area. It's because the materials involved are volatile. They can spread around real quick. Well, nuclear materials really don't spread around. They're too heavy. So, you know, I worry less about them. And I think the world is going to be moving more toward nuclear power, for example, because of all the concerns with the environment. You know, the uh, greenhouse effect and stuff like that. Well, when you have a fusion, a fission reactor, you don't produce carbon dioxide and you don't uh, dump an awful lot of uh, uh, bad stuff out there, <laughs> you know. So uh, we, we live in a changing time. I'm anxious to see the next century, not just because it'll mean I've reached that age, but things are happening and changing and different. I mean, look, if uh, six months ago you and I had been talking about uh, Asia and economics, would either of us have predicted what's been happening over there? Absolutely not. I mean, everything looked solid. That was the place to be in the world, you know, all the good stuff going on. Well, I have a lot of friends lost a lot of money in that. I'll bet they did. Hong Kong. And, uh, it's affected Canada, of course, because we have a lot of people from uh, Hong Kong who've come to Vancouver and other parts of the country bringing their money. And a lot of students from over there, well, they're not coming to where the money is high. The Canadian dollar is fairly low compared to the U.S. dollar, but it sure has been a lot better than the uh, Asian currencies. And so unpredictable things happen. Um, this El Nino uh, business... Uh, those ice storms in Quebec and Ontario, Maine, northern New York, there hasn't been anything like them since we've had electricity. I know it. Uh, there's a lot of strange things going on. For example, in the Antarctic uh, now, I find a large chunk of an ice shelf in Antarctica is mel melting at such a rate that in two years, a 12,000-square-mile area will have simply disappeared, gone. That's scary. Um, it is. This is the second ice field. Uh, to be going, and it indicates a larger change underway, I think, with the weather worldwide. I mean, something really is going on, Stan. Something is changing. Yeah, well, people say, so what difference does it make? Well, if the water level <laughs> rises and you live near the coast, it makes uh, a heck of a difference. Yeah, they're finding that out in California right now. Yeah, how big are the waves? I saw a picture in the paper that was scary. I lived out there. Sure. I never saw waves like that. 30 feet, Stan. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Stanton Friedman. Good morning. Hello. Hello. And I have yeah. a question about the American computer company, Jack Schulman, and uh, his confrontation with Bell Labs and AT&T about the origin of the transistor. Do you have anything to add about that? And, of well, course, the uh, trans capacitor, they're calling it. Yeah, you know, I've talked to Jack a couple times on the phone, uh, little stuff going back and forth. I 
that is all in what I call my gray basket. I don't know what to make of that, and I'm, I guess I'm glad that nobody seems to bring up the fact that in Top Secret Magic, my book about Operation Majestic 12, I'd suggest that one possibility of new technology derived from alien artifacts, if you will, is the transistor, Bell Labs transistor. But uh, And nobody brings up the fact that I suggested that before the Corso book came There out. is something strange going on with the yes. transistor, I'm telling you. Well, here's the point that I made, was that, you know, the official birth date of the transistor is December 23rd, 1947. What is strangest to me is that, not that Bell Labs was doing any work on it, they were the outstanding electronics lab in the world, no question about that. And if you had pieces of wreckage that looked like they might relate to instrumentation control systems, that sort of thing, that'd be the place that you sent them. They did a lot of classified work. But what was strange is that there were three top scientists already well-established working on what is basically a tiny little device. Normally, you'd expect a senior scientist and a junior one, and they'd publish a paper, and then others would get into the act. There you got three top-notch guys, and I am not saying they were top-notch because they later got a Nobel Prize for the transistor. But if you look at their publishing record as scientists, they were major wheels, if you will. Why do you put three guys on a little device unless you have reason to believe? If they can figure out what the heck is going on here, they're going to find out something that's out of this world. You know? So I suggested that as an example of something uh, Bell Labs and Sandia Nuclear Weapons Lab in New Mexico, where probably some of the wreckage went, uh, were closely connected. AT&T actually ran uh, Sandia for many years. And so uh, Shulman's stuff, and I got a little disgusted at some of the, the flagrant attacks on other people in all directions. Oh, it was vicious. Yeah, and I'm staying out of that. I mean, I, Same here. Who's got time for that kind of stuff? And, you know, I'm waiting to see the so-called notebook. It wouldn't surprise me uh, if, indeed, the transistor uh, was stimulated to the nth degree, if you will, by knowledge of alien artifacts. But I'd sure like to see the evidence as opposed to the claims. It's easy to make claims. Well, I'm, I'm talking to Linda Howe, who went to see the sample... Uh, that was supposed to be on, on display from Bell Labs of the transistor, and uh, interestingly, she says that display was empty. Asked a guard, where is it? Uh, don't know. Uh, it was empty. I'll be darned. Well, it, it, I'm not surprised, and the kicker, though, uh, some people are saying this would have been illegal and so forth. I don't understand that. How could you patent it and so forth? Look, if it's unique... And if it resulted from study of a strange artifact, it's still a new and patentable device. The alien's going to say, hey, we invented it first? Come on. On this planet, certainly. Yeah. And so uh, it is standard practice. People tend to forget this. Technology. technology. You try to back engineer it. When a, a British plane would be shot down over Germany, the Germans would grab the wreckage and learn what they could from it. We did the same in England. And we've had uh, uh, Russian pilots uh, yeah. fly MiGs in. We back-engineer those and hand yeah. them back. Yeah. And the thing is, back-engineering is more than just, well, let's see, I'll look at it. Oh, yeah, I can make one like that. You measure tolerances. You 
see how they solve little problems. Interestingly, though, I saw a program the other day on the Concorde, Stan. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the, uh, the French developed the Concorde, and the Russians copied the Concorde. It was called the Concordsky or something like that. <laughs> and they did not successfully. A whole lot of them, even blueprints in front of them that they had uh, uh, spirited out of, uh, of France, they couldn't get it right. I'm not surprised at that. And, you know, uh, one thing they did do well, they sort of copied a B-29 after the war. National Security Council meetings in the late 40s were, in early 50s, were very concerned because here they were flying all these bombers that were, you know, Chinese copies. They had a B-29. Very advanced technology. And, you know, it's easy to say, well, uh, let me see, here's an engine. Yeah, I can make one like that. Well, it takes materials that can stand high temperature, for example. How do you make those to tight tolerances? The old joke used to be Army equipment cost you a buck a pound and Air Force equipment cost you 50 bucks a pound. Huh. Because <laughs> the stuff that, you know, is in our life that is quite remarkable by yesterday's standards. I got a computer on my desk that people would have killed for, you know, what, 10 years ago? Yes. Uh, now, now we're on the edge of uh, the Pentium Two, three hundred and thirty-three megahertz processor. Uh, yeah. uh, speeds are doubling every eighteen months. Storage. And I'm likely to make Pentium chips in them. How much? I mean, it's, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, <laughs> funny is, you know, you grind them out, and we take it for granted. And for under uh, fifteen hundred dollars, you get a splendid computer. But before that happens, somebody has to inve have invested an enormous amount of energy, effort, money. As smart people doing things. We tend to forget what lies behind that simple little, it's just a computer, you know. Well, it is. And, uh, you know, I'm anxious to see how it turns out, but I don't like the level of rhetoric, the nastiness, the, um, we've got it, but we can't show it to you kind of things. Um, That's why I've stayed away from it so far. Yeah, I, I, I was watching for a while on the internet, and then I said, hey, I don't need this. My name was being dragged about in some places, too, and uh, what can you say? Uh, we'll find out how it goes. Tune in next month. Yeah. All right. Wells of the Rockies, you're on the air with Stan Friedman. Hello. Yes, this is Tim from Ripley, California. Hi, Tim. I listen to you all the time. And would nuclear eat biological weapons? No. Oh, that really is actually, though, a good question. Uh, in other words, we're talking about uh, pinpoint bombing, uh, in well, Iraq, okay. uh, of, of biological sites. Yeah, how much good or bad stuff do you spread around? Normally, you'd expect that a, a, a nice, neat nuclear explosion will destroy, vaporize, convert, change anything uh, nearby if it's accessible to it. Uh, now, uh, you notice that uh, Hiroshima is a thriving city these days. Uh, that was a small bomb. But if you're underground, how far hard to find underground facilities. Yes, I know. And one of the reasons they're there is so that if you drop a nuke, uh, and we're working on, you know, bombs that penetrate through the ground before they explode. Uh, so it depends uh, on how good a job you do. And, you know, if you destroy yourself with the poison gas, what have you gained? <laughs> well, right, but eventually burn everything up. Well, it would, but do we dare, at this point in history, with the world watching, which is dimensional, 
Would we dare to use nuclear weapons under those conditions? The only country that has used them? Uh, I think only if biologicals were used against us. But at a, a first strike, so to speak, well, we got to get rid of the guys. Uh, let's do it the easy way. And if we wouldn't, the Israelis would. Well, yeah, the Israelis showed remarkable restraint the last time around. La last time. That was then. This is now. Yeah, right. And I'm, I'm not saying they'd show restraint. Last time. Okay. I wouldn't have last time. No way. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Stan Friedman. Hello. Uh, yes. Um, my question is, uh, uh, is my understanding that a certain solar grid alignment is necessary in order to deploy and probably, uh, or properly uh, cause the atomic bomb to... Uh, create chain reaction? Um, actually, I've, I've heard this a million different times, uh, Stan, that nuclear weapons can only be used at certain times under certain conditions. Baloney? Baloney. Not even good baloney, cheap baloney. <laughs> they will go off no matter what. But if the right guy is doing the triggering, of course, yes. No question. All right. Um, the, uh, first of all, this is Gabriel in L.A. Um, Plants. I've heard of certain plants that eat up nuclear waste. Is that true? That is interesting. There, there are fascinating things that happen with plants. Um, if you look to the Pacific Islands where we test growth, would you believe? And so biological control of nuclear waste is something that's being looked at. There are trees that will take up, uh, you know, bad stuff, so to speak, uh, it's easy to do anything about that. Growing the right stuff there can concentrate it in the in plants, yes. All right, what about uh, cold fusion? They had a demonstration on, on ABC's Good Morning America, and they showed this cold fusion process that degraded nuclear materials uh, at such an accelerated rate that you could sit and watch the needle just uh, uh, go down. Don't know. Didn't see it. Would hate to venture a guess. And, you know, people have used the word cold fusion to mean different things. Uh, at the beginning, when all that fuss in Utah, uh, this is a fusion system uh, that's producing heat. Well, it wasn't there were kind of matrix, uh, palladium, for example, nickel, other things. You get energy released. That, that's true. Is it fusion energy? Probably not. So we're talking, we're using the term in two different ways, nuclear fusion and other kinds of fusion. What happens when you've got gases inside metals and surface reactions and all kinds of other things. So the answer is I don't know. People have been talking a lot. The Japanese are spending quite a bit of money on so-called cold fusion research. Actually, I heard recently they gave it up, Stan. Ho hold on a moment. We're at the top of the hour. If you would like more information on all you're hearing, send a number 10 envelope to Stan Friedman, P.O. Box 958 in Holton, H-O-U-L-T-O-N, Maine, zip code 04730-0958, and you will get a lot of free material in return, including some radio specials. I'm Art Bell. This is Coast to Coast AM. I got off that bus and I was scared to death. You have to put all your heart in your soul into it. You feel like you conquered the world. After the weeks were over, you were like, wow, I am a Marine. That's it! 
that day that they say this man, you know that you are one of the elite. Maybe you can be one of us, the few, the proud, the Marines. Call 1-800-MARINES. When I crossed that parade deck and they, they played the Marine hymn, that was the proudest moment in my life. Hi, this is Brad. This is Doug Carolla. This is Brian. This is Donnie Brown. Hi, this is AJ Donnie with the Verified. Have you ever left a club or a party, woke up the next day and looked in your driveway to find your vehicle there, uncertain of how you got it home? Thousands are killed or severely handicapped each year by drunk drivers. I know this too well, having lost a close friend myself. On behalf of Brad, we urge you to be responsible and safe while driving. You can't be either when you're drunk. Picture yourself on an airplane to Spain, but you don't know a word of Spanish. Now picture yourself learning and remembering 500 Spanish phrases on that airplane before you touch down. That's exactly... Talk with Art Bell in the Kingdom of Nye from outside the U.S. First, dial your access number to the USA. Then, 800-893-0903. From east of the Rockies, 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico. Call Art at 1-800-618-8255. Or call Art on the wildcard line at area code 702-727-1295. This is Coast to Coast AM from the Kingdom of Nye. It is. Are you having arthritis pain? Would you like to stop it? Of course you would. Uh, the New York Times reports glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate can help. And now a third ingredient, gelatin. What these ingredients, these nutrients do is help your body regrow cartilage. That's the thing that stands between two bones and prevents them from rubbing together, giving you what's known as arthritis. Stop the aches and pains without drugs using all-natural arthritis assist. That's the formula with all of that in it. Here's the arthritis pain relief cream. Immediate relief to your joints free of charge. Call 1-800-232-5664. But you can get it here. 1-800-232-5665. Here's an amazing new product that continues to blow those pictures. Take a quarter TV or VCR and puts them right onto your PC like that and costs only $99. In fact, I use Snappy to get the great pictures you see on my website. The computer industry has gone wild for it. Snappy has won 25 major awards so far. Nothing wins that many awards. It just happens When PC Magazine proclaimed Snappy the best peripheral of the year, they said, quote, Every once in a while, we see a product so impressive that it makes us rethink an entire category. That certainly is the case with Play Incorporated Snappy Video Snapshot, unquote. Snappy $99. Snappy is the perfect gift for anyone with a PC. As a matter of fact, no PC is complete until you put Snappy on it. I want you to check out the amazing Snappy pictures and the cover W.com. Or go get your Snappy today at computer stores everywhere. Stanton Friedman, once again, uh, I just got a message that we were interrupted by KSFO San Francisco by the National Weather Service flood watches. Padero uh, Valley, Salinas River near Spreckles and Bradley, all Central Coast mudslide warnings. It's getting bad out here, Stan. Well, yeah. You know, <clears throat> it's it, it, not relevant to what you just said, but I was musing during the break there that 
We have this media frenzy about the possible activities of the president and a young lady. And enormous amounts of energy, tens of pages in Newsweek and all over the place. Television is consumed with it. Yep. Now, if we put anywhere near that effort into sort of a grand jury on UFOs, we'd blow the lid off the whole business, which is more important in the larger scheme of things. Well, if you were to try to blow the lid off of all of this, Stan, how would you do it? Um, you well, talk, talk about the cosmic conspiracy. Um, there's a new executive order, 12958, that makes it harder to keep old stuff classified, stuff more than 25 years old, unless the agencies will all be declassified more than 25 years old. And April of 2000 is a week, would you believe? Hmm. Uh, and, you know, so I'm an optimist on that. What I would do would be to go through the old stuff, hire a group of people to do it. You know, the Washington Post was using, I'm told, 16 people full-time when they blew the lid off the political water gate. Going through financial records, phone call lists, you know, all that sort of stuff. Well, we're dealing with the same thing. It's I was going to say last year, but in 1996, 195 million pages were declassified. Wow. In 88, 5 million pages were declassified. And so what do we know? doesn't anybody knows about it. It just sits there. Now no, I, I mean, what, what, what have we, how many steps forward have we taken in learning anything that blows all this apart? Uh, it, we've only put the stuff out on the table. Nobody's looking at it so far. I'm going to be down in Washington next week. I'm hoping to look at a lot of this stuff. One of the steps, for example, the presidential libraries, it's in all their classified material to the archives, too to have it reviewed in a central place because they can't afford the manpower to do it. And, you know, it may come as a shock to people. There's The Eisenhower Library has uh, 50,000 pages of classified National Security Council material. We're also destroying a lot of material, Stan. Well, that Spreading. story about the Navy destruction was certainly worrisome and distressing because, yes. you know, I, I don't know who to believe on that one. Is it because they were asked, to take action and they didn't so it got destroyed or whether it was requested you know it's convoluted but uh, I think if you hire enough researchers and also there's something else that could be done you can solicit testimony from enough people so that the government can't take action well that's you what Dr. Greer is doing well yes and no I, I worry I wrote along a full page of criticism to Steve Bassett of that proposed or whatever it was. Which is on hold right now because of all the other Washington news. Yeah, I would hope so. Because of pictures of extraterrestrial stuff. Well, certainly there are thousands of pictures around, but how much of it has been vouched for, certified, evaluated? How many of the witnesses that they're talking about uh, have been vetted? Or are we dealing with wannabes, with their 15 minutes of joy, and how much of what they say can be verified, validated. Uh, the debunkers will just eat up. you made claims that are not substantiatable. But what does it mean? Who does the vetting? You know, and what powers do you have? Uh, that's where, you know, the, we need a 10-star technology. <laughs> but certainly when we look at uh, what has he spent, $40 million? I've heard different numbers this week. About that, yes. Some number like that. Uh, let's say five million would do it nicely on the UFO scene. Uh, but it, it's a question of paying attention. Look at that CIA story that came out early last year. Uh, 
the Air Force says that in the 60s were super-secret reconnaissance aircraft. That's balderdash. Uh, Dr. Maccabee has looked at the statistics. There was no increase when they started flying U-2s, and it was not a big airplane. Even the SR-71 isn't huge. If you're flying over 60,000 feet, what's anybody going to see that's going to excite them? A little dot in the sky. I've never heard of a U-2 making right-angle turns. Nor have I. Uh, and flying silently and coming down and landing and then taking back off straight up, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. That makes no sense. I, I've written a critique of the CIA report, and I'm mentioned in there in a strange way. The problem with the report seems to be that the guy who wrote it, and the from the CIA, of apparently a special compartmented information, some of the pages you could read eight words on. And they, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, there would be a place to start. I have open congressional hearings. Um, uh, I just... There is a security aspect here. Aren't detecting strange vehicles in the atmosphere, whether they're your enemies or alien, is a fine arch. We put all that out on the table, which is what they seem to want. Declassify everything. Well, we've got a lot of things flitting about in our atmosphere, some of them uh, 25,000 miles an hour and more, called fast walkers, and we there's some evidence that we've been shuttle missions. Uh, what the heck is going on? STS-48, STS-50. Uh, yeah, there's serious concern here. That's different from saying that uh, we should be told nothing about what's going on. I'm an Earthling. You're an Earthling. Shouldn't we have some idea if the planet's part of a larger picture here? I would like that. I would like to know that. First time caller line, you're on the air with Stan Friedman. Hello. Oh, is that me? That's you. Good night. Okay, my my issue is, uh, Stan, uh, I'm reading the Jim Mars book, Alien Agenda, and I would like to know if uh, you feel that Mars preceded the, uh, the chapter I'm on is on the mind's eye, the remote viewing, and there a remedy, uh, Mars presents a remedy, or the remote viewer presents a remedy to the ozone layer to produce, uh, so that that molecule can, uh, take it up to the ozone and, and cover it up to do this. And uh, your critique on on the Alien Agenda book. All right. Did you read Alien Agenda? I didn't so. get through it all. I got so disgusted. It's like that if I read 20 books, I can do a book. He seemed to do very little original research into blind wrong and false and so forth. So it's got a lot of information in it. Some of it is legitimate. It comes from other places. Some good, some bad. But it isn't the, um, I forget what the fancy phrase was on the cover of the book, but it isn't the end of the I was disappointed. Um, I expect some original research if you're going to write a book, not just... Just a compilation of others' work. You know, I'm sure it sold well. Uh, it's a good-looking book. Um, Your take on remote viewing. There are some people with some special capabilities that on occasion will be successful at remote viewing. Uh, I was certainly dismayed when I read Courtney Brown's book because there's no substantiation of anything. Uh you know, it, I, I once knew a psychic is a long time ago, and he told me, he says, look, it doesn't always work. I see stuff. I don't know what it is. Right. Interpretation is difficult. The people who get paid for it got to be right. You know, they got to produce something all the time, and he was very wary of that. So I think that people, I, I think there are a lot of mental skills 
that we haven't really touched upon. It's almost a verboten area, and the work that the government funded we don't know all about. And someday maybe we will, but I hearken back to the first release of data about the mind control experiments, which are not so far away from this. You know, how do you enhance mental capabilities or... MJ Ultra. Yeah, that sort of thing. The first release, the John Marks from the CIA, was 400 pages. That's all there is. There isn't any more. Go away. Well, coming back to them, they kept finding more boxes. He wound up, and I got the story from him, with 40,000 pages. My God. The first release was 1% of what he eventually wound up with, and the word is he still didn't get it all. So we really don't know how good some few people are. And that's what you're looking for, the best of the best. Now, with special situations, to provide additional information not otherwise obtainable. And I think occasionally it works. What we know from the Courtney Brown example, certainly, that uh, not all the bragging about how good it is is true. No question. I'm stating these things. But I think it needs to be done carefully. And it would be nice if it were done outside of what I would call a military environment. I mean, it's like, you know, if you can get inside the head or the base or whatever. But there's more to this than that. And I think we will learn, which the aliens probably know already, since they seem to work behind control rather than a gun in your back, to get the abductees, if not in Lake County. <laughs> Do you feel there is something to the whole alien abduction business aside from that program? Oh, yes, very much so. And I've spent a lot of time with some of the big wheels. It's distressing, and I'm sure what distressed some of the people in the field about that show is it gave a totally misusing of oriented stuff, threatening stuff, when in reality we're dealing with mind control. I don't know how you show that on television, but yes, I'm I think there could be a lot of reasons. One of them, I think, would relate to the fact that we're finding out that an awful lot of diseases have a genetic component. Oh, yes. And that offers the hope of a, I'll call it a genetic cure, that's a very simplistic phrase, but you know what I mean, of fixing what nature didn't do right. And so if you're going to do a survey of a planet looking for a new genetic material and B, so that you've got something that the locals might want, you got to pick up an awful large number of samples to get all the crazy gene or that gene or the other gene. And, for example, a hemophilia, one in 5,000 males has it. If you only pick up 300 people, you're getting a course of other genetic diseases. So, you know, I can imagine when the big day comes, they say, okay, guys, we know how to cure your diseases. Uh, there's no point in doing that until you can feed your people, obviously, and you idiots haven't learned to do that. You're spending your money on weapons. But if people, uh, that might be one reason for abducting people. Another, grad students studying the behavior of earthlings. So, you know, a lot of stories of people being shown, I'll call it pictures, that's a crude way of saying it, scenes, if you will, and getting their reactions. Maybe they're the alien psychologists trying to understand what makes these people pick. You know, this is a strange planet. There's a lot of weird behavior. Uh, we let 35,000 children die every day. That was the number as of two, three years ago. 
needlessly from preventable disease and starvation. And we spend three quarters of a trillion dollars a year, we earthlings, on things military. What's wrong with these people? Are you no. familiar with uh, Professor Michio Kaku? No, I'm aware that he's got a book out there, but more than one probably. The planet, type <laughs> zero civilization. <laughs> and that the odds of our making it to a type one, which would be able to harness, uh, uh, for example, the energy of a star, uh, the odds of us make, uh, not destroying ourselves and making it to a type one are slim and none. Well, yeah, one of the things that may be going on is the great historians of the local neighborhood know just what you just said and have learned that the only way to get a primitive society whose major activity is tribal warfare, that's us, uh, to move forward is to take over and say, okay, guys, we've had it with you. You're good at killing groups of, uh, you know, 1,800 different planetary systems. Uh, here's what you have to do, and we'll make sure that you do it because... We really don't want a civilization wandering around the local neighborhood with your attitudes. You guys got an attitude. You can hear the big guys in the sky saying, gee whiz, what do we have to do with these people? Why are they coming here? And I have a paper that has 26 reasons, a radio broadcast of the weekly show, Idiocy in the Boondocks. But I think the primary reason for coming here is to make sure that we don't go out until we get our act together. I mean, if you were an alien, would you want these guys out there? No. Uh, no, I wouldn't. Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Stanton Friedman. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Go ahead. This is Nikki from Brooklyn. Yes, Nikki. Okay. I wanted to ask you, how many people actually believe that bogus show? Well, I don't think anybody knows. The number that I saw was that, uh, as of that Saturday, several days after the show, that... Uh, right. Forty-six or so percent of, but I don't know how good that is because, as uh, Art pointed out uh, at the top of the show, um, apparently you could push a button and keep saying yes, uh, you know, over and over again. One person could vote a lot of times. Right. That's not a good way to do things. So I don't know. Uh, good question, uh, Art. Have you seen any figures published about this out there? And no, I've just had the reaction of uh, people like this. Yeah, it was that this was a home video, and you couldn't even see the credits at the end. It was like the newscast, like you were mentioning before. The split screen stuff, yeah. Yeah, and the minute I saw it, I said, oh, come on, please. Yeah, that's right It was right just bad it. acting. I mean, even the little girl, she looked like she was, like, so bored. Yeah. So, <laughs> unbelievable. It wasn't well done, let's face it. On the other yeah, hand, it, was, it clearly it, wasn't It was the, the worst acting movie. I've ever seen since... Um, my last school play or something. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, there you go, Stan. There's a typical reaction for you. Well, I'm I, sorry. I, wonder, I wonder how many people who, who don't know about anything about UFOs and first time seeing it and going, oh, my God, this stuff is all baloney. I always knew it was fake. That is the well, real damage, my dear. Yeah. That's the real damage. Uh, hey, isn't it, Stan? had a couple professors on saying all this stuff was baloney, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people believe them, too. I'm sure they did. All right. Uh, hold on, Stan. Uh, once again, if you'd like to uh, get the real stuff, send Stan Friedman a number 10 envelope. That's all you need to do. He'll send you back free stuff. Uh, it's Stan Friedman, P.O. Box 958 in Holton, Maine. That's H-O-U-L-T-O-N, Maine, zero dash zero nine five eight. That's dash zero nine five eight. And he'll send you a bunch of free stuff.
Nye. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. From east of the Rockies, caller 8033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, at 1-800-618-8. First-time callers may reach Art at area code 702-727-1222. And you may fax Art to Senate 499. Please limit your faxes to one or two pages. This is Coast to Coast AM. Here's Art. Once again, here I am. Uh, by the way, I'm scanning some electron scanning microscope photographs of implants removed by Dr. Roger Lear. And I'm, I'm sort of doing that uh, in the breaks tonight. We're going to get those up on the website tomorrow. Actual implants removed by a physician. We'll be talking with Dr. Lear later in the week. The Beijing Free Play Radio is, uh, if you're listening carefully tonight to the storms going on then you know power can go out in storms. The Beijing Radio comes in two flavors. It is, it is a remarkable radio with a device inside called the Beijing... And the clockwork generator is a device that, when wound for 30 seconds... Shortwave bands, the radio plays for 30 minutes with no external power otherwise. Nothing. 30 seconds of winding, 30 minutes of playing. Full room volume. Now, there is a second flavor of the Beijing. So, in other words, if the power goes off, you need, there are two things you immediately need. One is information. The second, if it is at night, is light. And it comes equipped with an LED light, a very bright LED, that will light it up. You plug it into the side of the Beijing radio. And again, when you wind the radio for 30 seconds, and the light which lights for 30 minutes. If you're not comfortable with our weather right now, get comfortable with a Beijing. Uh, put it up in the closet or, or use it every day. It doesn't matter. Radio A, just the basic Beijing, is 119.95. Radio flavor B, with the plug-in light, is 149.95. The number to call is 1-800-562-6438 in the morning. 1-800-562-6438. For Valentine's Day, why not give your sweetheart the most romantic and unique gift in the universe? long as your love. Boy, did I blow it. Uh, the Beijing radio comes from the Sea Crane Company, and if you call the number I gave, you're going to get flowers. <laughs> it's absolutely fresh flowers. The Sea Crane Company is 1-800-522-8863. That's 1-800-522-8863. All right, uh, back now to Stan. Uh, somebody wants me to ask you about time travel, Stan. Possible? Well, it depends on how you define it. Uh, yeah, I put, you know, in quotes, uh, physics. If you get close to the speed of light, time slows down for you. It's aged, you know, 800 years while you've just aged a year and a half, depending on how close to the space, speed of light you go. So you've traveled There's a bunch of physicists working on far-out astrophysics, wormholes, anybody who saw contact, being far better than I expected having read the book. Really? Uh, you're oh. the first person, finally. Uh, I loved contact. <laughs> well, I read the book, and I was uh, didn't like the book. There were too many pot shots at UFOs in it, typical uh, Carl Sagan. But um, I really enjoyed it, and I was surprised. I didn't anticipate that. I, You know, it was one of those things I had to do because everybody would be asking me about. And uh, I loved it. And so uh, 
My daughter liked it, too, as a matter of fact. So, um, what the heck? To each his own, I guess. But, yeah, time travel, uh, you know, it's not something you and I are going to be doing our, in, within our lifespans, I don't believe. But of that. And certainly we'll cut the time to go large distances down. But, you know, one of the things that bugs me is how the noisy negativists, as I call them, start talking about interstellar travel uh, without really thinking about it. They'll talk about, look how long it's going to take to get to the next galaxy. Frankly, I don't care about the next galaxy. I like the local neighborhood. Next galaxy is a million light years away. How about the thousand stars within 54 light years of here? You know, different kind of problem, in other words. Uh, it's at uh, 900 speed light, just to pull a number out, to go 37 light years, the distance to Zeta-1 and Zeta-2 reticuli, the stars that come out of the Betty Hill star map. Another good abduction case. Mm. But at 99.99% of the speed of light, you can go 37 light years, six months pilot time. Now, we've had uh, astronauts, uh, others have had astronauts in space for longer than six months. You know, not such a big deal. So uh, that sort of puts a lot of neighborhood within reach, doesn't it? It does. Uh, <laughs> it has been said then, uh, though, that uh, if time travel is possible, where are the time travelers? Well, you know, there's the old Fermi paradox. Enrico Fermi, great Italian scientist, set up the first nuclear chain reactor at, reaction at the University of Chicago. One of the reasons I went there, he died while I was a student there, as a matter of fact. The Fermi asked, so where are they? You know, and I think if we look, we'll see they're all over the place. Now, they're not on, uh, <laughs> you know, late night television. And I don't think you've had any aliens on yet, have you? Well, this show <laughs> may be an exception. Yeah, uh, but my point is that you got to look before you find. You don't see the dust mites in your house, too, but they tell me that uh, many asthma attacks are actually triggered by them. You know? Yes. Oh, yes. So uh, the point is that there are so many sightings going on all the time. What is really the difficulty, we're dealing with the PR problem, and I know the UPN show illustrated that, but uh, most people don't report their sightings. And the more respectable the individual, the less likely to report their sightings. And all the good reporting detection systems, I better say, um, their data is born classified. The good radar networks, the good spy satellites looking down, we tend to forget that they're looking down. If a saucer goes by, they'd see it. They won't tell you about it, though. Um, so there's a lot more going on than we hear about. And... Uh, until we unleash the powers of truth, and I don't know where to find them, uh, we're going to be ignorant. And it bothers me, you know, again, in, in the UPN angle. The New York Times, uh, three years, three and a half years back, turned an article about the Project Mogul stuff, you know? Oh, yes. Left-hand, best position you can get in an American newspaper, because when they stock up those Sunday papers, you know, that's what you see. Sure. And... Uh, they didn't do any research on Roswell. They just bought the uh, Air Force explanation of Project Mogul hook, line, and sinker. And not only was it on the front page of the New York Times, which is, after all, sold all around the country, but the Cleveland Plain Dealer and a whole bunch of other papers picked up on it from the New York Times sure. service. I didn't hear any screams of protest about that. You know, that's a respectable publication. The writer... Has a Pulitzer Prize. 
and he did no research to check in. They just write what they want to write, and if they've got a reputation to back it up, nobody does any digging. It just stands. Yeah. Unchallenged. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Stanton Friedman. Good morning. Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Yes. I'm calling because I would like to, first of all, I have two questions. Um, what are the call letters for the Marina Valley area in Riverside County? I couldn't give it to I certainly don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm trying to um, let my father get out there, and it's, it's really awful. I see. If you'll check uh, my website, there's a full listing of radio stations. I have a computer, so I guess I'll have to call my own radio station here locally. And I'll just... I remember listening to a broadcast years, uh, oh, about maybe three weeks ago, and now he had predicted a date for a 7.4 somewhere. It was either east or west of Riverside County on an east-west fault line magnitude earthquake. Yes. The second week of February this year of 98. Yes. And I'm wondering, was it east or west of uh, Riverside? Uh, dear, I'm sorry, I don't remember. You're asking me all kinds of questions that uh, you, you would have to get the uh, Gordon Michael Scallion program and uh, listen to that. No no relationship to what we're talking about hello. tonight. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Stanton Friedman. Hello. Hello. Yes, hello. Hi, Art. I'm a listener of your show. Yes, sir. And tonight I was listening in the general and getting no F in credit at Luke since 94. That's right. That is false and incorrect. Oh. I will be the first to tell you that F-15s land regularly at Loop for training flights, stopovers, gas-ups. So it's whatnot. entirely possible they were there. Very. I mean, before I separated from the military, I saw many of them. I guarded the damn things. <laughs> I mean, it's it's ludicrous for somebody to call up and say, you know, Luke's a training base. There haven't been there and then there since 94. Well, that's ludicrous because... Since Luke is a training base, they do have to keep, you know, current flight records going. And not only that, they have to keep their pilots knowledgeable on all types of possible aircraft they may fly. And the F-15 is long from being decommissioned. Uh, indeed so. I thank you very much for the call. That settles that. First time caller line, you're on the air with Stanton Friedman. Hello. Art Bell. Yes. This is Jim calling from Fort Worth, Texas. Yes, Jim. Uh, I can, I've been listening to you for an awfully long time. I can remember when I had to down here pick you up from Omaha or St. Louis, and now thanks to our local plug, KLIF, I get a straight shot. Cliff in Dallas, yes. <laughs> I'm so tickled to be able to get through tonight. It's, it, believe it or not, the first time I tried because I've got something to say to Staunton Friedman that I hope you get, okay? Give it a uh, shot. Staunton, uh, I'm not only, are you there? What, okay, that's my computer disrupting the line. All right, go ahead, sir. Uh, Staunton, I'm not only a UFO buff myself, but as, as a matter of fact, I have the distinct honor of Tarrant County Junior College. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Now, when this UPN deal, I think I'm speaking for many people when I put it like this. I heard about this thing coming on. They're supposed to have this home videotape, you know. You, so I'm all lathered up, you know, I'm thinking, boy, this is going to be better than Barney and Betty Hill. So I get my tape in there, and the night shows up, and I start taping the here. And I almost killed the tape. I let it run, and then when you came on there, now I think my reaction is going to be about the same as anybody that knows you and of your credibility. I'm sitting here asking myself, how in, in the you-know-what 
did they manage to get Staunton Friedman on there to say that. So they didn't fool me, and I don't think that, as a matter of fact, I almost called them. Well, the answer is uh, they got him to say it by not showing him the program and just doing a general interview, uh, asking question, then integrated those comments uh, into the show. It was a neat cut and paste job, I'll say that. <laughs> uh, and now I guess, I guess, Dan, uh, you'll be warned next time. Well, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping that we can do something about the upcoming show to at least change. The advertising or put in some kind of a disclaimer uh, for people to take advantage of the public's interest uh, and then foist off something that isn't what people think it is. I just got a uh, story here. El Nino, strongest on record, will now, they say, last through mid-1998. El Nino, the warm water phenomenon uh, that helped make 1997 the hottest uh, year on record, will continue to wreak havoc until the middle of this year according to U.N. climate experts. Oh. What a happy thought. Yeah. Wild card line, you're on the air with Stanton Friedman. Oh, and I just had a couple of questions for Dr. Friedman. I was just wondering if he would be lecturing in the vicinity. Uh, you, made, you mentioned that he would be making a trip to Minneapolis sometime soon. And I also wanted to just get a little bit of his opinion of uh, Bob Lazar's claims. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, well, okay, I'm going to Minneapolis indeed on the uh, 18th. And I'll spend about four days there. Then it looks like I'll be going down to Madison, Wisconsin. The American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics section has just west of Madison on the 24th, it looks like. That uh, got confirmation. Um, and uh, nothing scheduled in Minneapolis. If I do something while I'm there, we may film it. You know, I, I don't know. I travel a great deal. I've spoken at 600 colleges, 100 professional groups, so... I get around. Bob Lazar, he comes across very well on television, tells a great story. There is no substantiation for any degrees, although he claims a um, master's degree in physics from MIT and another one from Caltech. Uh, he claims uh, he was a scientist working for Los Alamos. He wasn't. MIT and Caltech never heard of him. Pierce Jr. He is misrepresenting his background. Element 115 scheme won't work. Uh, call it, you know, I, I'm tempted to say a harmless con man, but he certainly has influenced a lot of people, so maybe harmless is the wrong word. His videos sell around the world. I was showing them in uh, Holland when I was over there, would you believe? Mm. Uh, and people believed it because there it is, and he sounds very convincing. So it's a distraction. Um, yeah, there is an Area 51, and yeah, interesting things are going on out there. But I would bet 100 to 1 he wasn't back engineering flying saucers out there. He isn't a scientist. Uh, Teller would not have recommended him for a job, et cetera, et cetera. Up in the phone directory. Uh... Yeah, the phone directory, is, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, says very clearly after his name, K slash M. If you look at the top of the page, it said this is a telephone directory for employees of Los Alamos National of Energy of Kirk Meyer Corporation and a couple of other com uh, companies. No question, he worked for Kirk Meyer. That's what the K slash M means. They were well, the big Mason accelerator uh, facility. Clinton D. Anderson is it's a long name for the facility. But wouldn't that uh, wouldn't that suggest he would have to have some sort of background as uh, suggested? A technician. Yeah, they had lots of technicians out there because that's a user facility. Uh, scientists come from all over the world. 
They need help setting up their equipment. They can't bring a whole team of people. So you hire, you know, it, it's a labor pool, if you will, from Kirk Meyer Corporation. So he's not an idiot, uh, but he isn't a scientist either. And, uh, you know, the story, there's no way to accumulate uh, 500 pounds, no way to accumulate 10 pounds. And uh, he talks about adding protons. Well, you already got lots of protons. Takes one heck of an accelerator. Doesn't show one on his system. Uh, actually, his design seems to be based on the Billy Meyer photographs or phony photographs, whatever you want to call them. I am very upset when people make false claims about their background. And I was going to correct the woman. Somebody said something about Dr. Friedman. I do not have a doctorate. Quite corrected Larry King live <laughs> with that truth about his background. Now he's a bright guy. He's good at making jet-powered cars. Uh, it's sort of changed. You know, many ufologists no. tend to enlarge their story as time goes on. His has remained basically the same. To expand it, <laughs> find a story that works, stick with it. What's the point? I mean, look, I don't know. Somebody told me 100,000 of those models of his craft. I've got one right here, the uh, <laughs> the tester aircraft, uh, saucer, no question yeah. about it. Hold it close to the phone and we'll all see it. Um, from Mexico City, a strong earthquake shook Mexico's southern Pacific coast Monday evening, panicking all towns. No immediate report of injury. Mexico's National Seismological Service put the preliminary magnitude at 6.4 strong enough to cause severe damage. It was followed by three aftershocks about 15 minutes apart. The shaking began about 9.06 p.m., lasted about one minute, jolted residents for hundreds of miles up and down the coast, rattling the resort city of Acapulco, sending ripples that were felt as far as Mexico City, 315 miles to the north. The state civil protection agency... And the Red Cross said there were no immediate reports of casualties. 6.4 earthquake is pretty big. My guest is Stan Friedman. If you notice, he's got nothing. All you need to do is send a number 10 envelope to him, and he will return the materials to you free of charge. Send it to Stan Friedman, P.O. Box 958, in Holton, H-O-U-L-T-O-N, Maine, uh, up where the uh, ice gathers, uh, zip code 04730-0958. Let me try that again. Stan Friedman, P.O. Box 958, Holton, Maine, 04730-0958. We'll be right back. This is Coast to Coast AM. Let sweet surprise. Her hands are never cold. She's got Betty Davis inside. She's got a music on you. You won't have to think twice. She's pure as New York snow. She's got Betty Davis. To talk 
with Art Bell in the Kingdom of Nye. From east of the Rockies, dial 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and First time callers may reach Art at area code 702-727-1222. And you may call Art on the wild card line at area code 702-727-1295. To reach Art from outside the U.S., first dial your access number to the USA. Then, 800-893-0903. This is Coast of That would be us. Good morning, everybody. Stan Friedman is my guest. Fresh flowers will please her no matter who she is. If she's a female, I guarantee this flower farm in Southern California will fill the bill. They grow it very well and sell them to the American public at wholesale prices. And that means uh, that she gets so many flowers that she'll be giving them to neighbors, borrowing a vase here and there to store them all, won't know what to do with them all. It's that big a deal. Giant triangular box with a card inside from you with your message of love and caring and your name at the bottom, all handwritten and delivered by FedEx next day. Give it a try. It's $47.95, and the number is 1-800-562-6438. That's 1-800-562-6438. That is the right number. Now gold at wholesale prices. Anybody out there been watching the price of gold lately? It was $400 an ounce less than a year ago. Bottomed near 280 right now, sitting about uh, 300 or so. Gold is a wonderful hedge against the market. Generally, as the market goes up, as it did yesterday, gold goes down. It's a good hedge against um, any changes in the market, and some of it belongs in your portfolio. To make it easy to get started, trading a few gold bullion at their cost. They will not make a dime on the transaction, whether you buy one ounce or a hundred or more. I have no idea how long this offer is going to be honored. Probably not long. So if I were you, I would call them right away at your earliest opportunity, at the very least, 1-800-359-4255. That would be David Hall's North American Trading at 1-800-359-4255. Tell them Art Bell said to call and ask about the sale on gold. What image comes to mind when I say Valentine's Day? Hearts, flowers, angels, cupids? Well, how about a pretty... Now approaching February 14th, the American Gold Rose Company's back with their popular collection. First, their classic rose, priced at just $49.95, 11 inches long, and it comes in a beautiful gift box. Then, the Hollywood Elite, for just $65, you can send that special someone a long-stem gold rose, 17 inches long, delivered right to their door in a gold presentation box. Or, you can order the original rose, simple, no leaves, $39.95, all three perfect for Valentine's, but there's more. If you buy any two gold roses now, you'll receive free a genuine rose leaf dipped in 24-karat gold on a gold PR value. Gold Rose Company. Call them now at 1-800-458-7134. Live in Alaska, Hawaii, or Canada, call 918 687 Again, that nationwide number, 1-800-458-7134. Check them out on the Internet at www.americangoldrose.com. Go ahead, treat your valentine. You know, during the breaks here, I have been uh, scanning, Stan, from Dr. Roger Lear, um, electron scanning microscope uh, photographs of implants taken out of people. 
Have you seen Mr. Kotcher? I was aware that he was doing the work. Uh, I'm so I'm anxious to see that. I'm also anxious to see what's called of the um, supposed Roswell stuff that was made a big noise about <laughs> presentation. Um, you know the silicon. Uh, so I'm anxious to see the data. Uh, it's easy to leap to conclusions. People have had implants put in them. Some people. I haven't seen any good analysis of the implants. If I can start surfing the net. Oh dear, I gotta go modern art. I thought you said you had a computer sitting right. Oh, there. I do have a computer, and I do get lots of email every day. But I stay off the net. I got so disgusted, frankly. A couple of years back, I used Deja, Deja New, Deja View, whatever it is, Deja right. News. And somebody had told me, a friend had told me, oh, I ran you through that. And there were over 100 hits on you. I said, oh, that's interesting, you know, for the interest groups. Sure. So uh, I, there were 100 hits, and I downloaded the first 10. And I got so mad because it was so full of baloney. I was going to respond to each and every one of these idiots, and then I decided, <laughs> what a waste of time it would be. <laughs> you know, if they were interested in the facts, they wouldn't have put out the garbage in the first place. I want to change the world, not one at a time, you know. Do it wholesale. Go on the Art Bell Show. Uh, so partly because of that and partly because it's been one heck of a busy time. The news group stuff that I do see, uh, there's so much junk out there. I know. You know, it's like the slightest evidence to back them up. It's their 15 seconds of fame, I guess, on the Internet. But So I, I can't consider it reliable, at least from that viewpoint. Now, I'm not what, what is your view on the Internet? Uh, there are a variety of takes on the Internet. One is that the Internet is actually slowing uh, our, our growth, our um, uh, process as a civilization, because... It is worldwide. Uh, the top ten ideas uh, prevail worldwide. Uh, innovation suffers. Well, uh, I tend to go along with that. I, uh, the Internet, it, it bothers me something because it's in print or on television. Um, and it seems to me, uh, you know, there are things called libraries where you can do in-depth investigation. There are thing called, things called journals where... You know, any way to communicate cheaply and certainly better than the post office if the other person happens to have a computer. But I notice that uh, one of the things that bothers me is I get stuff. I don't know who it's from. You know, no address, no phone number, no background, no stationery. That kind of bothers me. Uh, I'd like to know. And I'd like more to communication if somebody wants to call me, you know. But because the Internet is cheap, you know, you pay a certain fee, period. Uh, I get stuff that isn't well thought out. Mm -hmm. And because my uh, email address is in my book, I'm Secret Magic, I'm much more thoughtful than the stuff I get on the Internet. Well, if somebody's willing to pick up a phone, they probably thought harder about it. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Stanton Friedman. Uh, good morning. Good morning, guys. It's uh, Phil from Chicago. Yes, sir. I was just calling. I, I had to say I knew that you had nothing to do with that immediately. You could tell that it was all out of context. The UPN stuff. Yeah, the UPN stuff. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, that was ridiculous. By the way, did you notice when uh, they were supposedly dissecting the cow that the beam was going up and down, but the hand was going right to left? No, I didn't notice. <laughs> that was the first thing that I saw. With the red laser? Right. Yeah, I remember the red laser. If uh, you look at the hand, the hand's going from side to side. Well... 
sort of cheap special effects. Huh? Yeah. Well, do you remember when they tried this originally a couple years back? Well, I've seen that on the Internet. I don't remember it. I saw it for the commercials. I knew that it was faked immediately because it was the exact same thing, just different camera angles and different people. Probably the outtakes, huh? <laughs> All right. Thank you, my friend. And uh, take care. Well, to the Rockies, you're on the air with Stanton Friedman. Hi. Hi, um, this is Aileen from Santa Cruz. Yes. And I was just actually calling in to give you an update because we're dorm. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was about to ask about that. How's it going? Um, it's very flooded. It's, it's intensely flooded. There's like foot, foot and a half or something just around our house. Oh, my God. It's really nuts. <laughs> we got in here. Oh, my God. But uh, it's, it, I guess it's expecting to be like one to three more inches. Let everyone know it's really nuts around here. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching uh, the reports about the Bay Area, and it's it's calling for really heavy rain. Uh, it looks like throughout the rest of the week, nearly as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just, it's completely flooded. Uh, how, how close to a dangerous uh, point are you? Um, well, we're right by the um, what is it, the Soquel River, I guess. Right. Do you know the Santa Cruz area? I do. Yeah, we're right in the downtown Santa Cruz. And, like, all the roads down here are just, like, are rivers. <laughs> it's in the middle of the country. Yes. It's yeah. like that, and I didn't ever expect that to happen. Really? Are you getting mudslides, too? Excuse me? Are there mudslides as well? Yeah, um, the Highway 9 that goes over um, from here over to the other side of the hill is just all mudslides, and it's closed down. And um, Highway 17 has had um, the trees falling. Like I went around here closed. That's Highway 17 going over the mountain. Mm-hmm. Yep. Going over the summit yep. um, to San Jose. All right. Well, uh, uh, take care. Okay, take, thanks. Take care. Uh, this really is getting serious, Stan. There is something uh, changing with regard to our climate. There, I, I don't think there's any question about it anymore. Yeah, the jet stream is in a different place. And, uh, you know, we, what we talk about is 100-year events, you know, or 500-year floods or whatever. Right. The ice storm back here uh, in Quebec was, and in Maine and New York and so forth, the maple trees, everybody lost their maple trees, you know, where they tap them for maple syrup. Right. We were talking thousands of trees, and uh, six inches of ice enough to knock down to over some, what do you call it, just metal strips and building a big tower and the lines go across. Mm-hmm. Loads of them. Because it was so much ice. We're talking six inches. Well, I had uh, and had is the proper way to put it, an affiliate in Quebec. Their tower iced up and came down um, wow. on top of itself. And we're, we're now on a different affiliate uh, temporarily in Quebec. So uh, the damage was just stupendous. And things are uh, things are really changing. It's, uh, it's, it's frightening. Uh, yeah. Wild card line, you're on the air with Stanton Friedman. Hi. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. T from Huntington Beach. Yes, sir. Uh, off with your radio, please. Yeah. All right, I got it. Uh, yeah, I've just uh, been a fan of uh, following Stan's work for years. Good. And I was wondering, uh, was there any research done before he was on that show the other night? <laughs> you mean that he... Well, you know, Dick, a uh, guy representing uh, doing something for Dick Clark Productions, they're going to do a show on abductions. Mm-hmm. I had no reason to suspect that it would be any different, particularly from other shows that I've done. You get uh, called, you go in, they do an interview, and who knows what they're going to do with it, and you go away. Right. Certainly, I didn't expect it to be cut 
and tasted the way that one was. Well, with the promos the week before, I had told my wife that when I had seen you on the promos, I figured it was going to be a stand-up, you know, show. Cause I well, to like I say, I didn't know they were going to use this, but... Uh, <laughs> I think the second Art thought as well, he jumped right forward saying that... Right. I think that's the whole purpose for tonight. What I said was... Yes, it is. Uh, what I said was that it was obvious that Stan's comments were not directly relevant to what we were seeing, so he had to have made them in the blind, and they had to have been patched in. Right. Yeah. That's what they did, and, uh, you know, my mistake, I guess, although, as I say, uh, if I, somebody I, else I, had been on, would it have been any better? You know. I think uh, all the people have been so easily lost. I mean, so, it takes a long time for you to get all the degrees and to put in all those years of good work, and then something like this happens, and as that last a caller earlier said, that someone tunes in, and then they see this for the first time, and we talk on legitimate shows. It happens, you know, from Nightline and other shows um, where bad stuff is done. And, uh, yeah, there's no question that there's a lot of, I'll call it, wasteland about UFOs, good, bad, or indifferent, not just abductions either. Roswell has been mistreated, if you will, as a story, greatly on television. You know, just a simple question. How come nobody shows the headlines full page wide from the other newspapers like Chronicle or B? They show the Roswell paper and make it sound like nothing else happening in a small little town in southern New Mexico. Well, it was a much bigger story in Los Angeles on the Herald Express than it was in Roswell. That is, bigger headlines... More talks about that. I've rarely, uh, I, I've rarely heard you comment on abductions at all. I was almost surprised to see you as an expert uh, on abduction on the show. Well, and UFOs are real. We've got uh, Betty Hill. We've got Travis Walton. I was there with them, uh, you know, in arranging for the interviews and stuff. I was the first to publish about the Betty Hill star map. I actually took a course in hypnosis many, many years ago. I spent a lot of time with the experts. Now, sure, my long suit is advanced technology and cosmic Watergate and archives and Roswell and stuff like that. But am I right? And uh, I've tried to keep my finger on the pulse with the people like John Carpenter and Bud Hopkins and down in Australia where he spoke and I spoke. Um, so I've tried to keep at it. But if somebody calls me who may have been abducted, I don't mess with them. I refer them to an expert. Who would you? Who would you? Well, depending on where they are, I'd have them contact John Carpenter, the MUFON abductions coordinator, and he knows most of the people around the country who are involved in good abduction research. And out of the way, I put the party that contacts me in touch with somebody who knows where to find the right people and let them go at it. And that works. Uh, I talked to somebody in New Mexico. She had called me. She was obviously upset and distressed, and I. Uh, Talked to her for quite some time, and then repeated with what happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to stand up and say, "Hey, uh, I do uh, hypnotherapy or anything like that." I don't, but I do keep my hand on the pulse. And as I say, uh, I've met with, I've been in Betty Hill's house, I've been in Travis's house, I've talked to other abductees. How do you feel about the Travis Walton abduction case? I interviewed uh, Travis and his boss, Mike. Mike, Mike Rogers. Yep. Yep. Well, I was in there when we did Close a Real. I was very favorably impressed. I've seen him several times since. As a matter of fact, uh, the two of them came up here to Fredericton, New Brunswick, to speak at the University of New Brunswick uh, last year. Uh, after a conference we were both at in New Hampshire. 
They sure wrote a good book. Yeah, I was going to say, anybody who thinks that that case has been explained away by Philip Class or Kevin Randall in his new book, The Randall Report, ought to read Travis's book. And one of the problems here is we have this cultural stereotyping, if you will. Gee, Travis Walton uh, used to cut down trees in a, near a town called Snowflake, Arizona, obviously a country bumpkin. Well, you don't need to spend many minutes with Travis to know he's not a country bumpkin. He's a very bright guy, very sharp guy, a uh, very decent guy. So I am very much satisfied that uh, indeed, of course I had Lorenzen of APRO, Jim is Jim Lorenzen is dead. Anyway, I had done a lot of checking on Travis. And so I'm satisfied that he was indeed abducted. It's not a conventional abduction. I think it was a hidden no. toss him back. You know. They have taken any number of lie detector tests. The, the arguments, one by one, systematically, doesn't duck any. And it also classes crazy argument that it was the... Uh, Woods thinning contract of Mike Rogers that was delayed, so they had to come up with a crazy story. I mean, that's about a Phil class. Well, yeah, his new book targets me. Uh, we're talking about have us having us do something. He's having um, was having a voice problem. Um, he had some back surgery and it's very hoarse throat, and uh, so he didn't go to the Mufon conference this past year, which he normally does go to. Because he could barely talk. That makes it hard to do battle. So, you know, what can I say? Uh, Phil and I have been at it for a lot of years. <laughs> I'll give him credit for something, after all. He made a big deal about the typeface on one of the operations that he used at the White House. Well, he offered to pay me $100 each for every genuine memo, letter, etc., from the t right time frame and so forth. In our library, and I spent weeks there, and... I was going there anyway. To make a long story short, I came up with 20 out of my files. I knew he wouldn't buy them all because he didn't have signatures. They were carbons, uh, Xeroxes of carbons. But I knew I was going to the library. And when I sent him 14 that had the same typeface note, more than $6,000. Uh, yeah, I want to ask you about that. I know you guys have had bets. Uh, for, for well, it wasn't a bet. Now, this was a challenge. I didn't have to put up anything. <laughs> uh, Stan, hold on. We're at the bottom of the hour. We'll be right back. It's been a too long time With no peace of mind And I'm ready for the times To get better This is the Crystal Gal. And this, of course, is Coast to Coast AM. I'm Art Bell. We'll be right back. I've got to tell you I've been racking my brain Hoping to find a way Kingdom Eye from outside the U.S. First, dial your access number to the USA. Then, 
800-893-0903. If you're a first-time caller, call Art at 702-727-1222. From east of the Rockies, 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico. Call Art at 1-800-618-8255. Or call Art on 855. This is Coast to Coast AM from the Kingdom of Nye. It is. Stanton Friedman is my guest. We'll get back to him in a moment. Um, how many of you have ever uh, wondered what's outside? Hmm? Well, we've got the AMG Model 2 Night Vision Spotting Scope for $349.95 and like that. Yeah, 33,000 times. I just wanted to get that in again this evening. I'm going to talk to you now about the VTEC 900 NDL telephone, the 900 megahertz digital cordless phone. We've got a closeout sale going on in these now. It's from who knows where. But um, what it results in in portable phones is a good, clear, corded phone type connection. Long range, I can go a mile NDL. I'll keep in touch with my base unit. 900 megahertz, a one-year warranty, uh, the range I talked about, the quality that I've told you so much about, on sale now. Are you ready? For $99.95. This is a close-out sale. Limited sale. 800-522-8863. Same for night vision. one 800-522-83, the C. Crane Company, and the 900 NDL telephone. The new year is about the future. Do you see our economy getting better or worse, or can you even discern? With a small investment of your time, you can create security for yourself by learning to trade in the commodities. I've just about made commodities a dirty word, but... If you learn the ins and outs of how for over three and a half years now, I've been telling you how the Ken Roberts Company has successfully taught people to learn the principles of making and managing your money through clear, decisive decisions without depending on a broker for advice. There's a step-by-step -step process. First, you learn how to invest with a no-risk approach by trading paper. And only when you're ready do you begin using real money. Call now, 1-800-GOLD-KRC, to receive absolutely free, with no obligation, no more confusion, just straightforward facts. Call 1-800-GOLD-KRC, 465-3572. All right, back now to Stan Friedman. Uh, stretch run, Stan. Listen. Yeah, because i got to go in less than half an hour. Okay. Uh, Phil Class and yourself have been going at it now for years, and there's been <laughs> money. There's been money attached to these uh, uh, yeah. things for a long time now. How are you doing? Well, uh, the, the the two money things were one what I just talked about that he challenged me on the type of library. They had 250,000 pages of National Security Council material. He had nine typical of the intellectual bankruptcy of the pseudoscience of anti ufology. Now, many years ago, I took him up. He made what sounded like a reasonable offer. You put up $100 a year, and he'll guarantee you uh, for 10 years uh, $10,000 if the president says flying saucers are real. Well, there were other kickers, and I made him modify them, and much to his surprise, I took him up on the Lou Gordon television show out of Detroit way back when. 
and I paid my hundred bucks each year. It was worth it. The look on his face when I pulled the money out of my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the only two real financial things. He's made other crazy offers, and usually he has so many kickers nobody would take him up. But he got careless on the typeface one. But he paid off. Now the interesting thing is he sent copies of his challenge all over the place, uh, but apparently he told very few people about paying me off. Not surprising, I guess. I guess uh, I have the um, a copy of his check in my 108-page final report on Operation Majestic. Uh, 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 he got very mad at that, but I said, "Hey, you send it to me. Uh, I copied it. I cashed it." Tough luck, buddy. You know, there it is. And he, he stopped complaining. We've done about eight hours of television. I don't know how many hours of radio. Lots and lots. And uh, it's it's one of those frustrating experiences. I consider Phil one of the top propagandists of the second half of the century because not only was he successful in keeping the press uh, away from the subject, after all, he works for Aviation Week and, uh, you know, if, if there was anything going on, they would know about it. It's kind of the attitude. But through his work with SICOP, the uh, self-anointed committee for the scientific investigation of claims of the paranormal, uh, he kept a lot of scientists away. Carl Sagan didn't do any research on UFOs. He depended on Phil. So his impact has been much greater than he's given credit for. I may not approve, but I have to admit that he's had a powerful impact. And right. he's a good writer. Here, here's somebody who sounds like they're coming at you as one would come at, uh, at, at Phil. It says, all right, simply one listener's opinion concerning Stan Friedman. If it doesn't have the word government stamped on it, it ain't true. But who the hell can believe the government these days? And he said so uh, himself. What a perfect disinformationist this guy is. I don't understand that. When did I ever said if it doesn't have the government stamped on it? It ain't it true. Sense. It makes no sense to me. Uh, I've spent time at 18 archives, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm certainly up as much as anybody is on government documents, but the government, I've been talking about a cosmic Watergate for an awful lot of years, and I prove it, uh, you know, a year ago when I was on, I gave your people who sent their envelope a um, 900-word article on the cosmic Watergate, no question. Do you still send that out? Uh, occasionally, I'm not going to send it on this one, because I'm limited to the eight pages, so I'll send out my... Uh, if somebody wants one, they can ask for it, and I can provide it. What exactly are they going to get if they send off the envelope? Okay, they'll get a five-page, single-space review of case closed, uh, you know, the Roswell report, case closed, where I detail what's wrong with this government report by Air Force Captain McAndrew. They'll get a list, a one-pager um, of radio specials, as I call them, special prices on my in order blank on my CD-ROM, on my two books, on two videos. Uh, you know, radio people are deserving of something for taking the trouble. To sure. And uh, the other one is a two-pager, uh, both sides of a sheet, which lists about 25 different items. A lot of my papers, the smaller papers, things like flying saucers and physics, or that's 20 pages, or the Zeta Reticuli incident, the star map work that tells us where some aliens originate, or... Uh, my four scientific papers, which includes science fiction, science, and UFOs, and a scientific approach to UFO behavior, and uh, Roswell Revisited, and uh, update on the Roswell story, and 
Crash Saucers, the Majestic 12, and the Debunkers, a lot of other miscellaneous papers that you won't find anyplace else. Boy, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm not sending all those papers, but there's a list with all that stuff on it. So as a source uh, for information that you can trust, if you will, on uh, on UFOs, this is a good place to start. All right, Stan Friedman, the address? Post Office Box 958, Holton, H-O-U-L-T-O-N, Maine, M-E, 04730-0958, self-addressed stamp, number 10 envelope. Uh, I should add, incidentally, I know that it's happened. People have called Maine, area code 207, and looked for my number, and it ain't there. I don't live in Maine. I live in New Brunswick, area code 506 in Fredericton, New Brunswick, and I am in the book. <coughs> how do you uh, how do you handle that, being in the book, by the way? I mean, no you, you, you must literally get, uh, doesn't your phone ring at all hours? It, well, you know, a lot of people don't realize that there's another time zone here east of Maine. So, yeah, I get some strange phone calls. But, <laughs> you know, maybe I'm remote enough so people don't bother. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Wild card line, you're on the air with Stanton Friedman. Hello. Hello. Hi. 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 Uh, this is Steve calling from uh, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Oh, I'm going to be not too far from you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, hi, Art. Love your show. I've been listening to it for a while. Thank you. Uh, Stanton, I was down recently in New Mexico around, uh, October and saw an interesting, uh, uh, talk by, uh, by a man down at the UFO Museum. Yeah. Name was Dennis Balthaser. Yes, I know Dennis and his interception story, I guess that would have been. Right. And, uh, my question is, uh, what is your comment on that? Well, it's a fascinating and rather involved story. Uh, Dennis was, the museum was contacted by somebody in Oklahoma claiming that his father had picked up a piece of wreckage from Roswell and, uh, he just heard about it and wanted to do something with it. So Dennis went over there and he made phone calls back and forth and then he went over there and the people he was supposed to meet didn't show up and then he was met by two people who said they were uh, Air Force OSI people and uh, that the phones at the museum were being tapped and uh, they were working with the guy who had the wreckage and tough luck, buddy. And then there's a follow-up story to that, incidentally. Um, I've been trying to help him do more work on locating who was at the other end. It was supposedly a lawyer, you see, because hmm. there's nobody by that name listed. And uh, uh, he was call he called the number he had called back then and a woman answered, and he felt it was a woman that had one of the two people that had met him at a restaurant there. And when he's talking to her and he's trying to pin her down, suddenly a man's voice comes on the phone who kind of threatens him to keep his nose out of all this stuff. Oh, my goodness. And that's fairly recent, and I just got a fax from three days ago, I guess. And so I don't know what's going on there, whether these are real OSI people or not, but... It's kind of scary because uh, they were threatening him. And so I I know Dennis. I like him. I've spoken at the museum. Um, and uh, something very strange is happening here. Now, he was a little careless initially because he didn't know you got to take precautions. When I have a habit of when people call me and tell me a great story and give me a number, I then check information there to see whether it's a listed number. Well, Sure. And if it's not, I get rather concerned. You know, so, and they sent 
something by Federal Express, but they didn't. Uh, they signed that thing, so nobody needs to sign for it, you know. Oh uh, yeah. So you don't get a receipt that way. I mean, you don't. You can't track it down as to Federal Express who signed for this. So uh, some opportunities were lost, unfortunately. But he's not accustomed to dealing with devious people. <laughs> I've been in this a lot longer, and there are a lot of devious people there. Oh, there sure are. All right, East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Stanton Friedman. Hello. Hi, Eric. Uh, this is David from uh, Ohio. Yes, David. Uh, question for uh, your guest. Um, over the course of the show, I've been a little bit bothered by some of your, uh, your comments about other UFO researchers and, um, you know, how they're uh, they're not up to par. They're not up to nothing. No, they're lying about their credentials is my concern. Uh-huh. Um, my question is, um, how do you see... Uh, the infighting that uh, seems to be so prevalent in uh, the uh, UFO researcher community, um, isn't it becoming so much more of a detraction uh, that it seems that nobody can actually get anywhere because everybody's always telling, uh, talking about everybody else being, well, he's not really telling the truth, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I'm saying? Everybody oh, accusing everybody else of being a disinformation agent. That yeah, I was accused of that today, as a matter of fact, yeah. uh, in an email. Um, it is a major problem, but uh, somebody uh, has to stand up and say, hey, this guy isn't who he says he is. He doesn't have those degrees. I've checked. And other people don't want to be bothered. They want to go by the seat of the pants. Well, you know, that's good for sitting on, but it's not a good way to find out information. Linda Moulton Howe has done a lot of the same kind of work. Yeah, and she knows that there are frauds out there. Doesn't she? Yes. Yes, and, and she's identified uh, many of them. She generally is hesitant to uh, do it publicly, but in cases where people have claimed degrees... Uh, claimed educational backgrounds that don't exist, um, she has uh, identified them. Well, it seems to me that I have a responsibility. If I'm going to be a professional person going on shows like yours, that if I'm going to stand behind somebody, I better have a basis for doing it. And, you know, I don't know why other people don't call universities and don't check on credentials. It's too much trouble, I guess. But... Uh, I have to know whether I'm answering, people ask me about Lazar, for example, he's supposed to be a nuclear physicist, I'm a nuclear physicist, uh, what do I think about him? Well, I have to do some checking first, you know, I, otherwise I'd say he's in my gray basket, I don't know, and go on from there. Well, I did do the checking, he doesn't check out. And you've seen all this fuss about uh, Michael Wolf. Well, I did a lot of checking, I spent a lot of time and money. So when somebody tells me, oh, he's okay, I say, where's the evidence? If a guy says he's a doctor, he should have a doctor's license. You've got a gray box, a big gray box yeah. uh, of things that um, are just sort of... Maybe. Maybes. Uh, how big is your this-is-really-true box? Well, it, it's pretty large, too, because I've spent a lot of time at this... Um, there are reputable researchers out there. I don't get asked about them. Uh, Dr. Bruce McAbee, Dr. Robert Wood, uh, John Schusler, professional people who I trust entirely. How about Daryl Sims? He was uh, with you. I have serious problems there. I certainly didn't like his performance in New Mexico with this piece of Roswell wreckage without even a hint of how he got it. You know, where did he get it from? How did how do we relate this to Roswell? 
in that terrible press conference in which a guy stood up and said, this is extraterrestrial, but then wouldn't take questions and left it. Oh, that was a disaster. Yeah, it was. And I was there. I mean, you know, I, I couldn't ignore it. Uh, so I wasn't overjoyed about that, and I think um, Daryl has often gone beyond his data. I took umbrage with uh, he and Roger were there together at the conference uh, the last day of the Roswell business. There was a uh, panel discussion. And they came up to join in, and I gave them a hard time about, you know, you didn't provide us with any information. This is silicon, this material that they were touting, you know. Did you talk to any silicon manufacturers? No. Well, it's an item of commerce. You know, that's what the whole, <laughs> what do you think Pentium is built on, if you will. Well, what, uh, th there was a claim that it had um, off-world properties. Well, they were talking about isotope ratios. Now, right. There are two problems there. One, when you make the chips, one way to dope them is to expose them to neutrons uh, because you convert silicon into phosphorus. And so you would have different uh, isotope ratios. Second, uh, isotope ratios are dependent on how much of the stuff is there in the first place. In a certain range, the accuracy isn't that good. So they hadn't had the work done by a commercial forensic testing lab. Uh, and it was done at a university, and I hate to say it, but if I want something tested, I don't go to a university. I go to a, a lab whose business it is to test and be able to provide testimony that will stand up in a court of law. You know, it's like uh, the O.J. Simpson trial in DNA. You better get the best guys because the other guy's going to have the best guys. Right. And so they didn't do that. Um, and it wasn't published anywhere, and there was no provenance. Here's this stuff, and I, as I understand it, this stuff actually came from Israel. So uh, um, I was very wary of the performance, and I, I let them both know it. All right. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Stanton Friedman, and not a lot of time. Hi. Yes. I've got <laughs> one question as to what is the... Zip code again, or Holton, or is it Molten? No, Holton. H O U L T O N, and the zip code is 04730-0958. Okay, now, I have no familiarity or love or hate for Bob Lazar, but in some of the comments that I've heard tonight, I look at a situation that I have been in, and I see some question marks that pop up very regularly. I used to work in government security on the East Coast in the early 50s. I transferred out to the West Coast on my own, went to work for a major multinational corporation, ended up with clearance and ability to get into the San Francisco Mint, the oh. AEC offices in Berkeley, yep, and the Livermore Radiation Labs. Oh, yeah. Okay, not a lot of time, I, sir. I was contacted and uh, prophetized, whatever, went to work as an insider. Ten years later, I went back to try to find some information because I had never received a W-2 or anything else 
as far as wages paid, nobody that I contacted in any government agency had ever heard of me. Mm. Nobody oh, had look. ever heard of the people that I was contacting. Don't, don't misunderstand me about Bob Lazar. I am certainly in full agreement that the government won't tell you about classified work that people have done while working for the government. That isn't my problem with Bob. The problem is his claim for educational credentials. Uh, at MIT and Caltech, uh, when instead he was going to Pierce Junior College. They ain't the same thing. So they could have erased his government work. That sure. Much, that much could have been done, but you don't think they could have erased his academic credentials? That's right. And I've talked to MIT about this and uh, to their director of legal affairs. He says it can't happen. There's too much here. You know, when you go to college, it's not a... You go through and you get a ticket at the end. You've got to take courses. You've got to be signed up for this, that, or the other thing. You've got to be visible. And you certainly can't commute between uh, MIT and Cambridge, Mass., and Pierce Junior College at the same time. They're 2,500 air miles apart. And so it, it's, I'm in full agreement that there are all kinds of people with high-level security clearances. You try to find out what they're doing for the government if they're working on black projects, for example. You ain't going to find out. That's different from saying if they say they got a Ph.D., uh, Michael Wolf, for example, that, uh, but he can't tell you the thesis advisor. <laughs> All right, it doesn't Stan. compute. Stanton, we're out of time. Yeah, uh, I really appreciate it, Art. And uh, anybody who's got anything to tell me, and, and maybe for my NC documentary for the fall, write me at the address or check information in Holton and... Fredericton, New Brunswick. Remember, I'm four hours ahead of the West Coast, though. Gotcha. Stanton, thanks a million. Pleasure. Take care, my friend. Uh, that's Stan Friedman, everybody. And that's it. We are out of time from the high desert that will answer. Good night. Good night.